Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Batteron. Coming to you live from our new Towson Studios here in the lovely state of Maryland, I guess is what I'm going for. Lovely here. state. It's a beautiful day. Beautiful day outside. The weather's been really nice the last couple of days. It's Labor Day weekend. You've got college football starting today. The NFL starts on Thursday. The Orioles are playing at a high level. What a great day to be alive. A great day to be alive. Um, you know, great day to be alive. Great day to talk about some Orioles baseball. They are playing their tails off right now. But before we do any of that, I just want to remind you that the Bat Around is brought to you by... The FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. I heard this exact commercial word for word. On 1057 Fan the other day. Really? Who was it done by? I don't know. Some guy some guy with a and now <laughs> voice. <laughs> Kyle Ottenheimer. He's been <laughs> hired by Kyle, 1057. Kyle, uh, it was um it's like their national fandle. Um what is going on here? I feel like I have no like leeway here. I feel like I'm just like all disheveled. Anywho. <laughs> Orioles. Five to two victors over the Oakland Athletics last night. Dean Kramer, six innings pitched, two earned runs, six strikeouts, one walk. Gunnar Henderson, two for four with two doubles. Ryan Mountcastle, two for three, now riding a three-game hitting streak. Adley Rutschman with a big pinch hit, go-ahead walk with the bases loaded. In the bottom of the eighth inning, the preluded a... Uh, Jorge Mateo, two-run single to break the game open for the Orioles there late in the ball game, And let's talk about this. Bit by bit here, Zachary Goodman. And good morning, Zach. How are you? Good morning. I'm just working on these uh, these reads over here that I misprinted. Oh, so no, no, no. I'll no. get those done. We're, no. we're, we're good to go. No, I'm, I'm, I was just saying good morning because I realized I didn't even address good the morning. fact that I, you're a person that exists in the I, world today. I am here. Good morning. Um, so, Dean Kramer. Six innings pitched, two run runs, six strikeouts, just the one walk. He allowed five hits in those six innings. So, Dean, at the end of July, in his last three starts to end July, Kramer gave up three runs, four runs, and six runs, including four home runs. He only pitched into the um, sixth, into the fifth inning once. No, no, that's not true. He didn't pitch into the sixth inning at all. I think he went four and a third, five innings, and four and two-thirds in those three starts. In the six starts since that three-game stretch there for Dean Kramer, he's pitched into... Or beyond the sixth inning every time out, and he has allowed two earned runs or less in five of the six starts, allowing just one home run in the process. Has Dean Kramer stated his case to be a part of this rotation in 2023? I think that's a questionable answer more towards 2023. You know, I mean, there will be a free agency that I know we're going to talk about later in the show, and the Orioles do have some nice pitching prospects coming up, but I think you have have him penciled in right now I mean mm-hmm. certainly he's a guy that you say he's done more than enough this year um and, and frankly shattered expectations I didn't have these expectations nobody, for him I don't think anybody did. did he's been far better and maybe that's not so much him as it is Chris Holt I mean we know how much 
influence Chris Holt has had on this pitching staff as a whole. I mean, look at Austin Voth, the guy who was basically a nothing in, in Washington and comes over and has been fantastic. His for, stuff for the most is some part. of the nastiest in baseball. Right. I mean, his curveball is, is ranking among the best in, in spin rate and many other factors. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Dean Kramer is definitely penciled in as of now, but there's definitely going to be some movement in this roster come the next few months, and we'll, we'll see how it ends up. Um, speaking of Austin Voth, he developed this new pitch. It's like a fluttering slider, right? I think they're calling it a slurve is kind of the word they're using for it. Well, I saw somebody on Twitter refer to it as a slutter. <laughs> yeah, a slutter. I, I don't know if we're going to call uh, it that. Uh, um, a, a, like a sliding cutter. Okay. Right? Like, well, like, wouldn't that just be a slider? I don't know. But somebody call, mean, somebody called yeah. it a slaughter, and I'm like, we're not calling a pitch a slaughter. No, we're not. We're not gonna call. We're it not that. gonna. We're not. There's nothing. This pitch didn't do anything. To, to me, anyone. it looked more like a slurve. It, it looked yeah. more like a, a, a classic mix between a slider and a curve. Whatever ball. he's, whatever it is, he's using it very effectively. He's got no three, three pitches that are among the tops in baseball right now. Gunnar Henderson, two for four last night, two doubles. He's five for twelve with a twelve fifty OPS in three games. Home run for his first big league hit in his first big league game with that beautiful golden lettuce falling out of the helmet, just flopping around. Everybody talking about this dude's hair. Like he's like the second coming of, um, what's that? What's that? uh, Damn it. (laughs) I don't know who you're talking. I mean, what's the name of that model from like the late 80s and the early 90s? Golly. Is this a woman? A man? I don't know what you're going for. It it was a, a, a man. Okay. Okay. Ah, you were. It's way, way before yeah, I, your I, time. I, I don't know. But anyway, he's got great hair. Is what is basically what we're saying. He's 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 got great hair. We were told he needed to work on left hand on uh, his work versus left handed pitching. But both doubles last night came against a left handed very pitcher. Promising. Uh, this dude he's made he's played three straight games. Yeah. Started at third base the first game, started at shortstop the second game, started at second base the third game, and he was stupendous. Yeah. At all three positions in all three games, turned a stellar double play at shortstop the other day and on uh, and unassisted basically, um, and then the nice diving play in the hole to throw the guy basically a ninety mile an hour throw over to first base to get the guy at first. Yep. Made some nice plays at third base. Turned a nice double play to end the game last night at second base. And people were like, I saw people on Twitter saying. Are they going to move Rutschman to first base because he had the pinch hit appearance? Mm-hmm. They're going to move Rutschman to first base and put, uh, or, or I'm sorry, move Gunner to first base and put Odor at second for the for the last thing. I said they're not going to do that. No, like they're no they're, Gunner's they're, not playing first they're, base. They're, they, you want your best defense out there. You're not going to put a guy who's played right. the, first base twice in his entire and life. They, they just added a first baseman. There's now two on the roster, so right. you don't really need that insurance from Mountcastle anymore. You have Aguilar. He's the insurance. Right, and so it was just funny to say that the, the people somebody said well, that. And then the final play of the game was a double play where Gunner had to whip it across over mm-hmm. to, over the first base, and he and he got the out by a step. I've legitimately seen people say, "Oh, Adley Rutschman should be in right field," and random stuff like that. So you're always going to get people who are going to make interesting comments saw, that don't I make a lot tweet. of sense. I think that was a tongue in cheek. I tweet. <laughs> it better be. No, I mean, <laughs> it I better mean, be. Tongue- and then Ryan Mountcastle, he went two for three uh, last night. He's now riding a three game hitting streak. Yeah, from August twentieth to twenty eighth. To the 28th, he had an eight-game K streak where he struck out 14 times in those eight games with just one walk. In the four games since that stretch, two walks, one strikeout. Seems like when they moved him down to seventh, it looked like he was it looked like he was taking better at bats. Mm-hmm. I felt like Ryan Mountcastle as a cleanup hitter 
was trying to do too much. Oh, 100%. They yeah. moved him down to the seven hole. He had a nice sack fly in a game. He only has the one strikeout since they did that. Um, it, looked, it seemed like he was taking better swings and, and swinging at better pitches. They move him back up to the three hole last night. Because um, if it ain't if it ain't fixed, don't break it. Or I don't know. Something like that. I know the term is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sure, so you just but reversed they did, it. They did the opposite. But he ha- he went two for three. Yeah. He went and he, he he drove in a run last night. He beat out a, a fielder's choice that really got that inning started there in the eighth inning, um, where I don't know what the guy was thinking trying to trying to go to second base to get Santander. He he looked at him and was like, "You shouldn't have even looked. Get the shore <laughs> out." Right. And it ended up the wheels fell off. I do want to talk about Adley Rutschman. He didn't start last night. Had a rough week. Two for eighteen this past week. Yeah. And boy, do I know that because. I took him for take to rake. Mm. Um, I didn't do much better. So no. I don't think you did better because your <laughs> guy, your guy, didn't play. <laughs> he did not. He did not play. Um, but he comes in to pinch hit with the bases loaded in the eighth inning. Uh, one down, bases loaded, bottom of the eighth, two-two ball game. He gets ahead in the count, two-zero. The two-zero pitch was well outside, mm-hmm. and the umpire calls it a strike. And you could tell by Adley's reaction, he was like, "That's that's BS." Yeah. Then it gets to three-one. And then the 3-1 pitch, it was also outside, but it was a strike. It, 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 part of the ball got the corner of the plate. It was a strike, but it was questionable, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Ends up walking on a pitch just below the zone. A really, not, really nice, really tough take with the bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth in the tie ball game on a 3-2 pitch. Mm-hmm. And he takes it. And I watched that at bat, and I just said, man, it is so nice to see a guy come up in a big situation like that and be cool as a cucumber. Yeah. He was not bothered. He was not nervous. He was not pressing. He just took what was coming to him, and he worked the walk. And he, and, and he, and he got the, drove the run in. And it's it, it's nice because you saw the game on Sunday when mm-hmm. they lost to the Astros. Yeah. And, that, and I and a lot of people were upset with how that game was handled because it was a winnable game. You could have swept Houston in Houston with Verlander on the mound in Game 3. They had Verlander on the ropes. He threw 28 pitches in the first inning. He had runners on first and and third with nobody out after a Mullins single and a Rutschman single. Santander uh, strikes out. He saw seven pitches, but he swung at all of them, a number of which were out of the strike zone, struck out on the pitch well out of the strike zone. Ryan Mountcastle comes out, and so they have this pitch track thing, right? And on the pitch track, uh, on the MLB at-bat app, it's uh, strike two that he swung at, half the the pitch was, was so high, the pitch was so high, half the pitch was out of the pitch track picture. Yeah. You can only see the bottom half of the baseball. The pitch that he swung at for strike three, it wasn't on the pitch track. Yeah, it, it wasn't there. It was so high, <laughs> it was legitimately like forehead level that he swung at for strike three. And then Austin Hayes, I've never seen somebody miss a curveball so terribly yeah. in all my. I yeah. mean, he was three feet away from that pitch that he swung at. And you know, with Austin Hayes, I, I said it last show that September is usually his month. That's mm-hmm. the month where he, you know, historically has torn it up and performed at his very best, and not off to a great start. No, not at I, all. I, I mean, he. Let's be honest. He it's hit, only been two, two it, days. But, but he hit for the cycle at the end of June, mm-hmm. and he's done nothing yeah. since. Yeah. He's done nothing since that game. And, and I get it that he's been hurt, but we, we talked about... This will be the third straight week that we've talked about this. Yeah. It, it, he, 
maybe more. Well, it's it's just the it, fact it's so relevant that the Orioles have so much outfield talent so close. Right. And that's the, that's the really relevant issue. Right. Here. And 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 that's something that I, that I want to talk about here in just a couple of minutes. Um, but getting back to the overall point, first and third, nobody out against Justin Verlander in a game where if you win it, you get a sweep over the Astros and you're yeah. flying high. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Orioles struck out three straight batters. Your three, four, five hitters struck out. Yeah. In a row, and if you looked at the pitch tracks of the pitches that Verlander threw, only five of them were in the strike zone. He got three strikeouts, and he threw five pitches in yeah. the strike zone. Yeah. So you see those at bats, and you're like, "What? That? Those weren't professional at bats." No. And then you watch Adley Rutschman come up <laughs> in a pit, cold off the bench in a pinch hitting appearance, cools a cucumber, takes a, a six pitch walk, and ends up driving in the go ahead run before Mateo with the two run single. It was just. Yeah. He's so good, and he's such a professional hitter. Yeah, that like when you hit, everybody else pales in comparison. Yeah, right. I mean, the best way to describe it is he knows the strike zone with his eyes closed. This mm-hmm. guy knows what a ball and a strike is. I mean, he's that good at it. He, yeah. he just has a a advanced understanding, especially for being twenty four years old, of balls and strikes, and that is so so valuable to any team. And the Orioles, again, I talk about this every week, but it is so relevant that they value swing decisions so highly. And Adley Rutschman is one of the, the the best at that in all of baseball as far as swing decisions go. So that's a very very positive thing. Um, you know, he's going to have his bad nights. He's going to have his good nights. He's you know in a little bit of a slump right now, and like you said, two for eighteen. But that you know the professionalism and the advanced nature of what he does in all aspects of the game won't leave him in slumps for a long time. This well, is not a guy who's going to go four for you know fifty five or something like that. And, and think about this: he's slumping right now, right? He's two for eighteen this past week. Yeah, but the Orioles are five and two, which is great to hear. Right? <laughs> great to hear. They're, and and he's slumping, so you know. Yeah. He's about to pick it back up. Yeah. He's going to pick it back up for this. Especially, he's one of those players that rises to the occasion, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're, you've are you're got a playoff run coming up here. You've got four against the Blue Jays starting with a doubleheader on Monday. Yeah. Uh, then you've got three against, or is it, th- no, it's four against the Red Sox, I believe, at home. You've got a big stretch coming up here. No doubt. And, or, I'm sorry, it's three against Red Sox. And this is an opportunity for the Orioles to to gain some ground in these in these playoff standings, and they're going to need Adley Rutschman's absolute best. And I and I think that that he's probably about to turn a corner here. Now I do want to talk about Kyle Stowers. Kyle Stowers gets called up, gets off to a slow start, but he hits. Well, he has two hits in his first game. Yeah, and then kind of goes into a pretty big slump. I think he was like over thirteen. Yeah, and then he hits the game tying home run, desperately needed against Kyle Hendricks or Liam, excuse me, Liam Hendricks. Um, Against uh, for the White Sox, they end up winning that game, winning that series, and he hasn't played much since. He's played one time since la- he's had one start since last Friday. High continues to rest him against left-handed pitching. Yeah. However, and and, and Stowers has one plate appearance against a left-handed pitcher at the major league yeah. level this year, and he's hit by a pitch. The, the a thousand on base. Uh, the <laughs> the reverse splits are drastic. Mm-hmm. In the minor leagues this year, he hit two thirty six against right-handed yep. hitters, against, uh, right-handed pitchers. Against left-handed pitching in the minor leagues this year, Stowers slashed three twenty six, four thirty five, five forty seven, nine eighty two. Yeah, against left-handed pitching, but he 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 sits against left-handed pitching. Last year, two ninety two, three eighty four, five sixty seven, nine fifty one, versus left-handed pitching. He's clearly 
thrived versus left-handed yeah. pitching to this point. Yet Brandon High continues to sit him. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy you called up and you said he's going to get a lot of time. That's exactly... Someone brought that up. I, it might have been Matt Kremnitz who was talking about it uh, here at Pressbox that he was... You know, basically very confident that Kyle Stowers was going to be in the lineup. And he said, especially against righties, which, again, I'm not sure necessarily why, because the splits would argue otherwise, but it, he really hasn't gotten any time. And, and for me, a rookie, we always said that he's not going to come up and not play. It's exactly what he's done. And, and that's not good for a rookie. That's never good for a guy like that. Well, yeah, no, on, you're, you're right. I was going to say Derek Jeter, but he came up and he played at the end of 95, and then he Couldn't wasn't... Couldn't tell you. He, he wasn't, <laughs> well, if, if you watched any of the, the 30 for 30 special I on most him, definitely didn't. Um, I watched the first episode. It actually wasn't bad. Not a big Derek Jeter guy. Nobody is, except for New York people. Um, but he, but th- they had him in the dugout, even though he wasn't on the playoff roster, they had him in the dugout to see that series. Okay. You know what I mean? And they won, They end up winning the World Series next year and the rest is history. Um so it's not unprecedented, but I look at Kyle Stowers and I look at the reverse splits, yeah. and I look at the fact that Hyde said he's going to get a lot of playing time. He's played one time this week. One time. He got a start on in this on Wednesday mm-hmm. against against Cleveland, but he didn't play. He didn't play before that, save yeah. for the one pinch hitting appearance. I think it was on Saturday. Yeah, but other than that, he hasn't played. And I, I get it in a sense. No, oh, but, but also not to mention the fact that the Orioles have faced a right-handed starting pitcher like 13 straight games right. going into last night. And that's night. what Brandon Hyde, he did say specifically in that quote when, when Stowers was called up that he's going to face a lot of right-handed pitching. He said he's going to get heavy playing time. I believe that was the exact uh, word used by Brandon Hyde. And right. one time this week, that's not a lot. I, I get it in a sense because you do have so much talent on this roster. This is the first time where you look at this Orioles rebuild really since 2017 where you actually have so much talent and getting guys into the lineup is actually becoming hard to do because there's so many good players and especially now that Gunnar Henderson's here and the roster's expanded to 28 and you've got Jesus Aguilar here as well, it makes it more difficult to get your best players in all the time and you you do have to you know switch guys in and out and you're not going to have the best players in the lineup every night because of the nature of the way this team is built. But Kyle Stowers is a guy that you can almost play because guys like Austin Hayes, maybe Austin Hayes should be the guy who's playing one time a week at the current moment. Yeah. Um, because Austin <clears throat> Hayes hasn't been doing anything as of late. And you look at that, and I, that's that's my biggest gripe with this whole thing is that Austin Hayes should not be playing over Kyle Stowers at the moment. And not that Kyle Stowers has proven that he's better than Austin Hayes, but, Austin but Hayes he should have the chance to do it. Austin Hayes for three months now. Yeah. Uh, Two months. For two months has done nothing. Right. And, with, and Kyle Stowers hasn't proven that he can't. Yeah, he's had a little bit of a rough time, but it's what? 13 at-bats. That's nothing. I mean, that's a, that's a tiny sample well, but, size. But, but the thing is, so he had the home run, and then he got two yeah. hits the next game, and he's had he's had he's played one game since. Right, and that's the problem. So you've you got to get guys consistent playing time, and I think it helps for their confidence. I think it just helps for overall feel at the play. I mean, you, you know, you played baseball, and it was the same way with me, that the more you play, the more comfortable you get, and mm-hmm. the more... You need the reps. Uh, right, you need to be able to see live pitching. You can go out there and take as much BP as you want, or hit off a machine, or whatever it is, but it's just not the same. You don't no. see the same kind of spin that you're getting from these major league pitchers, so it's tough to play once a week, and, and be consistent and, and confident. No, abs- absolutely, and I... I I firmly believe Stowers is going to be in the lineup today. I think he's going to be in the lineup today. Hope so. Um, they they got another. I think they're facing another lefty today. I'm 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 pretty sure. Might see Ryan McKenna then instead. I I don't know. But Ryan Ryan McKenna, I think they've he's they've been, started. He's been to, all right, man. I mean, he's they, they hitting, started he, using more sensibly. I, I think would he's say. he's hitting. No, they're going up against a righty. You're, okay. You, you'll you'll see. Um, it's Adam Aller. Oller? Okay, Aller? Adam Adam Aller. Yeah. Adam yeah. Aller. So you'll you'll see. Um. 
you'll see Kyle Stowers today. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I just how are you gonna? Why would you call up a guy and then rest him as much? Uh, he's not sure. resting him, but for all we know, maybe he's got a little tweak or something. Maybe he tweaked a, a hamstring or a calf, or Could maybe be. maybe Could his be. shoulders a little flared up. You know, you, and it's not bad enough to, to IL him, yeah. but. You're going to give him some time off here. I don't know. I, I expect to see a more representative lineup tonight. And speaking of lineup, so I have been very outspoken um, about Brandon Hyde over the last month. And so, honestly, I don't like doing it. I don't. Sure. It, 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 it gives, you, don't you don't get joy out of it. it. Right. It's not like I'm like, oh, I can't wait for him to put this lineup <laughs> up so I can rip an, him a new one. Right. I want him to be a good manager, and I want right. him to be the guy who sticks around and helps the Orioles win a World Series because he's a good manager. Yeah. Right? So I get attacked a lot by people when I go when I have issues with what with what Brandon Hyde does. And that gives me anxiety. And it's not because like I can't handle it. It's because I don't like I don't like fighting with people. Right. You know, I, I, I like we can have a debate, you know what I mean? But when you start calling me a clown and start calling me sensitive and sure. this, that and the other, I don't have time for that. And it, like I don't want to do that. Right. So I've been trying to say less on social media mm-hmm. this, this, this past <laughs> week. The Orioles lost that first game to Cleveland. It was a bad loss. They were yeah. dead in the water basically from, from the start. And all I said was, losing sucks, winning's better, let's win instead tomorrow. And then when they won the next day, I said, that was way better, yeah. let's do it again tomorrow, and then the same thing the next day, right? Yeah. And so on and so forth. I didn't make a comment other than I just, I, I quote tweeted the lineup and I said, sigh. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I get that Chirinos has to play. Yeah. I get that Adley Rutschman can't catch 162 games. Yeah. I get that he caught three days in a row. What I really thought they were going to do was have Rutschman catch yesterday and today, give him the entire day, of, day off tomorrow, not even DH, and then have him catch probably the night game. Or maybe the day game, or maybe the night game on in the doubleheader on Monday. Okay. They didn't play him yesterday. Chirinos got the start. McKenna starts in center field. Uh, no Stowers. And I just looked at that lineup, and I was like, all right. People were upset about it. It worked out. Yeah. You, when you saw the lineup yesterday, what were your thoughts? Oh, punt. <laughs> I thought punt. I mean, you made you you put a gif out there of the punt a, a few GIF. weeks ago, and I gif gif whatever. Uh, I, and I liked it because I thought that was a great tweet. And that's the first thing that comes to my mind now every time is that it's a it's a punt lineup. You see Torino's in there, and again, Torino's has to play. You're right. I mean, the guy's going to hit 190 probably for the by the end of the year, and it's not great. He doesn't really do anything at the plate, but he's got to play because Adley Rutschman can't play every day. But uh, McKenna was leading off, and there were some things that I wasn't really that. Uh, much of a fan of, but then again, it moved, is Oakland. It moved, is Oakland. You moved Mateo up to the seven spot and yeah. Henderson down to the eight spot. Hey, I, I get that. I guess a little bit. He's still, you know, twenty-one years old. So I, right. I, I, I can, I can justify it. it. It's just to me, you look at the Ryan McKenna leading off, and anytime I see that, I get a little bit, you know, worried. And he's always seemed to do pretty well against it. Um, against these guys leading off, and it is Oakland well, again. He, 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 he went one for four. He had he had a he had yeah. a strikeout. You know what I mean? I think the last game he played leadoff spot. He I think he had two hits. So yeah. it's it's been somewhat. It's been somewhat look, fine. McKenna's been McKenna's been a solid fourth outfield. No doubt, he's been a solid fourth. But I feel like, and he's only played like ninety games this year. Yeah, you know, which isn't a ton. But I feel like recently he's been playing a lot more. In August, yeah. I feel like he played. I feel like he played more in August than any other month. I think they just faced a lot of lefties, and I think Brandon Hyde really wants to get him in there against the lefties. Yeah. and you know, for better and, or for and, worse. And, and look, Mullins um, is not 
has not done well. Uh, Mullins was on fire in August. He had an 11-game hitting streak in there. He the, he went 0-4 after that 11-game hitting streak to end it, and then hits a leadoff homer the next game. Uh, Mullins has become kind of a platoon guy Yeah. at this point. I mean, he plays every day because you face more righties than lefties, but against lefties, he's not playing. Yeah. And so, and we're going to discuss that later. We're actually going to discuss that with Stan Charles here in a matter of moments. Just, um, you know, and, and then bringing Brian Baker in and then getting Keegan a- getting up to warm up after him. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that because it, it, fool me once, uh, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. He continues to bring Brian Baker in in these situations that are either tied or it's a one-run game in either direction. And Baker gives it up. Last night, he didn't. But I saw Brian Baker be the first guy in in the seventh inning, and I was like, why? What has he done to earn this? And then when I saw Aiken warming up, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. Yeah. Why? And, okay, so Baker gets the three outs in the the seventh inning. This is like what we talked about last week. He's done his job. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back out for the eighth. Yeah. Right? And, And he gets two outs. Tate comes in, and then Tate comes back out for the ninth. And I get Felix Bautista just pitched last night, and the, sure. the, the, the night before, and he wasn't as effective, although he did get the save. But still, I, I, I don't know, man. But look, they're winning. That's really all that matters. Yeah. Uh, speaking of winning, they've won five of they've won five consecutive series. Um, I don't care what Fox Sports says. That one game against the Cubs that wasn't a series. That was the continuation of a series where the game got rained out, and they ended up splitting that series. That goes back to June. Orioles have won five consecutive series. They can make it six straight with a win today or tomorrow against Oakland. They've won eight of ten series since the beginning of August, and really eight of nine series. But the Elias Sports Bureau counts the one game in Boston as a series because it's a makeup from the lockout. They're season high nine games above five hundred at seven seventy and sixty one. Four-game series with Toronto beginning with a doubleheader on Monday. Um, teams in front of the Orioles, unfortunately, continue to win, despite the Orioles doing exactly what they've needed to do over the final third of the mm-hmm. season. They're 14-9. and nine. Right. That's a 6 weight winning percentage. If you, if you expand that out over the course of the final 54 games to the end of the year, it's an 89-win season, yeah. and that's going to get you into the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, Toronto doesn't isn't losing. Right. Um, Tampa the Rays Bay. are only getting better. Yeah, they're only they, getting somehow they're only like they they every everybody's year, on IO and, and what they do. they're only getting better. And the Mariners are 16 games above five. They just don't lose anymore. <laughs> nah, no, and, they don't. I mean, they've really taken advantage of the fact that they that two thirds of their games the second the, the, over the final third of the season, two thirds of their games are against sub 500 teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they Cleveland's a good team. They went out and they beat them last night six to one. So, yeah. all right. So Zaxson gets Stan the fan Charles on the line. We've got him coming up in just a matter of moments. Paul Moncano is confirmed for 11 o'clock today from the Mass and All Access podcast. He'll be joining us at 11 o'clock. We've got uh, Take the Rake, Orioles banter, uh, and our final thoughts uh, before we get on out of here and let everybody go enjoy their first college football Saturday of the season. Week zero doesn't count. Uh, Just want to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by the latest edition of PressBox, which is... Available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to the NFL stardom. From his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also inside, we introduce you to football players in Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan as the season gets underway. And everything you need to know for betting football this season is in the latest edition of PressBox, which is available for free 
at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Royal Farms is so popular, they're putting a third one in on 543 up, uh, up in Hartford County. So get over to Royal Farms, get some chicken, and pick up a print issue of Press Box with Mark Andrews on the cover. Joining us now for his weekly segment, he is Stan the Fan Charles, and he's live on the Batteron. Good morning, Stan. How are you today? Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Zach. What's up, guys? Not too much. Where are you headed, man? I hear you. It sounds like you're in the car. I'm in the car. Got some stuff I got to do, so I thought I'd fit this in, doing this in the car. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you very much for doing so. Stan Gunner Henderson, 5 for 12, 1250 yeah. OPS. Home run for his first big league hit in his first big league game. How impressive has he been? Is he as advertised? Oh, God, yeah. No question about it. There's really not uh, you know, uh, not enough words to, to say what this kid looks like he's going to be. And the crazy thing is he's only, you know, with Adley, I think Adley's 24 years old. There's some maturity on his part that, that, you know, this kid doesn't have yet. Uh, this kid's only 21 years old. You know, yeah. it's, it's pretty pretty remarkable. And, uh, you know, look, uh, Mike Elias, uh, as, this, as this farm system begins to reveal itself in the major league players, uh, he's looking awfully good right now. And there's still a couple of the Duquette people to help out, too like Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, uh, you know, those guys are still around. So uh, it, it's, you know, it's looking very promising, and Gunnar Henderson looks to be a part of it. Paul, most impressively to me, uh, he plays third base the first night, shortstop the next night, and second base. And if I'm not mistaken, made, like, terrific defensive plays at all three positions. Absolutely, he did. He's been fantastic. Turns great double. He's been turning great double plays at both shortstop and second base. A diving play in the hole at shortstop. He has been everything and more that we we hoped he would be coming up here. And he's in, he's injecting that young enthusiasm, the speed, the defense, the bat. It's a new energy around the team at the perfect time. They're playing some of their best baseball of the year right now. I mean, you talk about. The ability to project what players can be like. This mm -hmm. was a remarkable, you know, Rutschman has all the college, you know, yeah. behind him, and you've got a lot of game action, and you, you've scouted him for, you know, a couple of years. This kid, uh, they drafted out of high school. It's just absolutely remarkable. It's incredible yeah. that the first two picks of the Michael Elias regime in the draft both ended up being number one overall prospects in all of baseball. Both are on this team right now, made their debut in the same season, and look to be centerpieces of this franchise moving. It's, it's been absolutely it's, fantastic. It's really ironic because, you know, what uh, Ozzie Newsom was known for for all these years was his first draft as the Baltimore Ravens, mm -hmm. getting Jonathan Ogden, who we would agree would be kind of like the, the, the Rutschman of the two. Right. Uh, hold on. Okay. Rutschman of the two, and then uh, Ray Lewis would be like the Gunnar Henderson. Absolutely. You know, Playing with his hair on fire. Yeah, but to be able to project what he was going to be when everybody was saying he was too small and Ozzy was saying, nah, not too small. 
Yeah. No. It, it, exactly. And I, I think that's a that's a great analogy there, Stan, is to to compare those two. And you know, it's it's certainly exciting to watch these guys play. And, and then you mentioned some guys from the the some holdovers from the Dan Duquette era. One of them is Dean Kramer. He came over in that Manny Machado trade. He goes yeah. uh, six yeah. innings for the uh, six innings or more. He's um, pitched into the sixth inning in six consecutive starts or further. Two earned runs or less for the fifth time in those six starts be, uh, since the beginning of August. Six innings last night. Two earned runs on just five hits. The one walk and the six strikeouts. You know, I thought that the that we were kind of seeing him revert back to who we thought he was at the end of July. But since August 1st, Stan, he has taken it to another level, and he's become one of the most reliable pitchers in the Orioles' rotation. How impressive has Dean Kramer become, and is he has he made him made a case to be part of this rotation in 2023? Well, you know, Glenn, I do Glenn show every Friday uh, on our website, you know, pressboxonline.com, and yesterday he brought up the topic, which has been percolating, is... You know, we, we all assumed when Mike Elias said he was going to spend some money uh, about a month ago now, he said, hey, this is liftoff time and we're all in and we're going to go out and spend some money. We assumed, I, I did not assume it was going to be like Carlos Rodon, but it, it seemed like it was going to be, there's going to be a serious effort to upgrade the starting rotation. Mm-hmm. And since then... As you just you gave the numbers out, the starting rotation, you you I'm not I'm not fooled by it totally, but you start to look at where okay who are we going to get and where is he going to fit, and there starts to be, you know, with the projection it means he'll be back say May 15 to June 1st next right. year, you know, being able to go four innings in a game or something like that. You start to add up the numbers and you start to wonder. What are they, uh, and I'm not saying they don't, but who's out? You know, I mean, right. both has been pitching terrific. Watkins has been terrific. Lyles looks like, uh, you know, I know it's $11, $11 million, I think the option is, sure. but he looks like he, he gives his club a savvy, you know, there's some room for improvement in Jordan Lyles, but the, the, the mindset he takes to the mound is very positive, and I think he has a bit of a positive impact on all those around him. And he's got five or six starts left, and he's already had over 150 innings. He's doing exactly what the Orioles signed him to do, and that's a guy exactly. he keeps him in in just about every game that he goes out uh, and takes the hill for them. And, and and Stan, let's let's dive further into this, right? The Orioles go on that six-game road trip to Houston and Cleveland. They scored 14 runs total on that trip, and yet they win yep. both series. They go four and two. They could have... Uh, swept Houston. Honestly, they 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 left something out there on Sunday. They threw three shutouts on the trip. In four of the six games, a starter went into the seventh inning, including Bradish completing seven innings twice, including that eighth in, that eight inning start. When was the last time you saw something like this from the Orioles, uh, especially against two good teams where the pitching is just the pitching just dominated, and that's why they won. I mean, I'm guessing during the Buck era when we were pretty good in 13, 14, 15, 16, um, I don't know that we had quite this kind of run, but I'm sure we had some real good performances from Chen and Tillman and whoever else was part of that rotation back then. Yeah, no, that, that, that 2014 rotation was, was that I think they had five guys with, with sub-3-6 ERA. So that was, that was definitely something to see. But then you look at this yeah. team and... This team, these are all guys you're just kind of like, 
who are they? Where did they come from? So I want to go back to August 1st, Dan, with this with the starting pitchers. 29 games starting on August 1st. The Orioles starters have thrown 12 quality starts. In those 29 games, starters have allowed three earned runs or less 22 times, including four shutout innings and nine one-run outings. They are 12-9 and nine with a 313 ERA since August 1st. And again, you look at this, it's not John Means. It's not Grayson Rodriguez. It's not Bruce Zimmerman, who we saw get off to that hot start. It's Austin Both and Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish and Jordan Lyles and Spencer Watkins. How much of the credit goes to Chris Holt and the analytics department when you really look at this and see what these guys are doing? Well, I don't think there's any question. Look, I don't know what the secret sauce is, you know, but uh, behind the scenes, there's some great coordination between the analytical team and Chris Holt's ability to really help these pitchers uh, emphasizing what they need to do out there. You know, we tend to think, you know, pitchers are all brought up the same. They've got a fastball, a four-seam fastball, two-seam. They've got a slider, a curveball, a cutter. Uh, but some of those pitches are, frankly, horseshit for pitchers, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, with, uh, you know, with, uh, with Chris Holt being able to really emphasize what is working and give these, give these pitchers the analytical data and then helping incorporate how to better present the things and execute the things. Uh, it's been remarkable. I mean, you now really understood why um, uh, Doug Brocal, who for all seeming purposes was a perfectly decent pitching coach, why the Orioles moved so extremely to let Doug Brocal go after two years and bring this guy Chris Holden because he's he's been really, you know, quite a bit of the story here, no question about it. So it, it really begs the question of, you know, I, I'm a firm believer when the season starts, you need 9, 10, 11 even starters because injuries are going to play a part in it. You're going to have a, a guy who's just having an off season. So you need to be able to mix and match and, and take somebody out and plug somebody in. Uh, but, you know, who they need, that's going to be something I'm going to try and dig in this week in a column uh, because I've got I've got a couple names in mind. Stan, there was an interesting comment from a viewer a few minutes ago who said that I guess we aren't going to, meaning we, the Orioles, are not going to call up Matt Harvey this year. That was the comment. Do you think there's any chance Matt Harvey makes an appearance in September? It's probably pretty unlikely, but it seemed like when we were talking about this in June that it was almost a, a for sure thing to happen. But the way this rotation is pitched and the way the bullpen has, has been very effective throughout the year, is there any chance Matt Harvey makes an appearance in September? I'm guessing no. Um, I'm guessing no with the Orioles. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know all the rules, Zach. You, you want to be a general manager. You might know it. Matt Harvey seems like he'd be a perfect guy right now for the New York Yankees. <laughs> Maybe, uh, yeah. I don't know. If there's, I don't know if there's a way that the Orioles can get anything out of it. Uh, maybe it's just a cash transaction, so that would be getting something out of it. Contractually, he's owned by the Baltimore Orioles right now, um, but I think he could still help a major league club when you look at the Yankees right now, how they're kind of foundering. Yeah, I, I think that's it could happen. I'm not sure the parameters around uh, that at this point. Um, but I maybe if they release him, then the Yankees could pick him up. Going into my box. Okay, I was just I just wanted to 
So I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how they how they could move Matt Harvey to the Yankees, but you never know. It, I, some, I, something could happen, it, but especially in a, in, a, in a playoff chase. I, 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 I doubt it. But with the Yankees, I mean, they only had they had a 15 and a half game lead on Tampa Bay not that long ago, and it's down to five games now. Yeah, you know, and, and the Orioles are within I think eight and a half, something like that. Right, so, I think it's eight and a half. So yeah, I mean, I, maybe you don't want to help I out. Man, it's 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 crazy what what's happened to them. But but if Matt Harvey is worth like a million dollars right now, why wouldn't you take the million dollars? Uh, I, I, if they can, I'm not sure if they can. I I know the the rules have been changed by this new CBA, and I'm not sure the again the exact parameters yeah. of what they um, have implemented this year. But I think, it, the, I think the Orioles would have to DFA him. I think that's the case. Yeah, because after August 31st, I, I, trade I, deadline is over. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I I even the the non waiver even the waiver trade deadline right. I think is passed right. at that point. So I don't know. Maybe there's a way they could work it out. I'm not I'm not sure. Now, Stan, I do want to talk to you a little bit about the outfield because uh, I've have some questions as it pertains to the future. Mullins does not start against left-handed pitching anymore. He's had an abysmal season against left-handed pitching. He's basically become a everyday player that platoons. Because uh, I don't want to call him a platoon player. I think that does a disservice and disjustice sure. to his overall season. But he doesn't. He doesn't play against left-handed pitching. Austin Hayes has done nothing since the end of end of June, and Stan Anthony Santander to all of us seemed the most expendable, and now to me, he seems like the most solid piece of those three outfielders. Do you envision the Orioles moving either Mullins or Hayes, or maybe even both, in this offseason, given what they have with Santander, the fact that Stowers is here, and Colton Kalser is already knocking on the door? Um, it's it's certainly a possibility. I mean, I I think Santander has really, you know, he's made he's made the improvements to his game that we need to see. I know you're not asking me about Ryan Mountcastle, but I, I'm <laughs> I'm having an interesting situation here. I'm out at our at our storage bin for our newspapers, mm-hmm. and the the dumpster here is infested with raccoons. Yeah, yeah, oh, man. So, Amazing, man! It's crazy. <laughs> Stan, does someone need to come get you? Are you all right? Are you okay? I don't know. I don't know if I want to get out and get those newspapers. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! That, that sounds that sounds awful. That's no, that sounds awful. Sound awful. Anyway, getting back to Santander. I mean, I wouldn't be looking to trade Anthony Santander right. now. Now again, the Orioles. The Orioles with what they're going to try and do, you know, financially with the club. He's going to probably, what would we guess he'd make, about seven or eight next year? He made about like four and a half. I'm going to check on that. I, if it's four and a half, it's probably around seven. Uh, but yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Does does it go up based on your performance? Because he's going to finish the year with 30 homers and close to 100 RBI. Well, I believe right? it would, but also if he goes to arbitration with them and they, they battle you know battle it out in court. I put that in, in air quotes because I would, it's not. I would not yeah. be surprised to see him get a bump to, to maybe 10 million. It could be. I, I I don't know. Again, they they changed a lot of this in the the new CBA, and maybe I need to read through that a little bit more and get myself right. <laughs> more up on these rules. But it, he certainly is going to get a big salary increase, no matter what it is. I agree. He's going to get a he's going to get a significant bump, whether it's eight, nine, ten. But you know the the beautiful thing about arbitration from a club standpoint is it's one year. You know, and right. uh, one of the smart things Andy McPhail used to say was there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. Yeah, you know? that's true. So, he's making uh, $3.15 million. Except Garrett Atkins. Yeah. <laughs> he's making $3.15 yeah. this year. So maybe he gets up yeah. to 6 7 maybe 8 if that's the case. It could go up you know, decently yeah, high for him. 
I'm thinking the number is seven five to eight. You know. Okay. Uh, so he's finally so proven to I'd stay like healthy. To have, I I'd like to see him stay here next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know you can never have too many switch hitters uh, if they're effective, and he seems to be pretty effective at both sides of the ball. You know. Statistically, I mean, he's better from the right side. And he, 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 he's, what are what are his numbers? His splits. So the last I checked for Anthony Santander splits, and this was sometime last week, I saw that he was hitting two ninety eight uh, as a right handed hitter, and he's had a great year from the left side of the plate. So, so. against left handed pitching as a right handed hitter, he is two ninety two, three sixty five, five thirty one. That's mm-hmm. the slash line. And then against uh, right handed pitching as a as a uh, left handed hitter, he is two forty one, three twenty three, four twenty eight. So, uh, you know, it's certainly a lot bigger of a sample size against the right-handed pitching. It's 375 plate yep. appearances versus 148. But it does seem that he is definitely better against against the lefties. Well, he's he's also just turned himself into a much more valuable player by working on that, uh, you know, pitch selection thing that we, we see Adley Rutschman has as a natural component of his game. It's not easy when you're 26, 27 years old yeah. to incorporate that into your game. Right. And we're watching Ryan Mountcastle now. That is the, the issue with him, uh, and he's got to fix that problem, or he's going to be he's going to be uh, costing himself millions of dollars yeah. if he can't get that thing under control. Because he has been, uh, and and I like the kid. I don't know him at all, but I like the kid. Uh, I think he's a, a pretty hard-working kid, but he's got this big vacuum in his game, and it's sucking up his talent and ability to produce because he's been, for 35, 40 games now, has been a, a big hole in the lineup. Well, yeah, and I actually noted, talked about this in the introduction to the, of the show today, that he has four hits his last three games. He's only struck out once in those four games after striking out fourteen times the previous eight games. So it's and that I think Paul, that, I understand. I, Paul, Paul, I understand all those numbers and jumbos, and you can slice it and dice it anyway. This can't be a four or five game solution. No, I know. This is I know. something he's got to bring to the ballpark every single day because he helps the pitcher, and the pitchers don't need his help. Okay. No, absolutely. And Stan, we, we I, I totally yep. agree with you. I, I think my overall point was it coincides with when Brandon Hyde moved him down to the seventh spot in the lineup. And I'm wondering if maybe taking some of that pressure off of him to hit in the middle of the order in just his second full pro season uh, was a little bit too much for him. And moving down kind of lets him take a breath for a little bit. Because I feel like he's taken better at bats. And yes, it's a very I, small I sample ag- size. I would agree. I would agree because he's smart enough to realize, hey, I'm not batting fourth now. I'm batting seventh. That must mean something. And then they go out and get Jesus Aguilar, who I I don't think is any great shakes. I think he's a worthwhile addition at this point in time. It's interesting now that Nevin and Vavra, uh, Vavra played the other night, but Nevin doesn't even play at all. Nevin was sent down. No, he he got down for Aguilar. No, he he was he was sent down for Gunner. Yeah, he was sent down for Gunner. Okay, Um, but yeah, yeah, no, and Stan, I think that's an excellent point. They brought in Aguilar, and yeah, they needed somebody else on the roster that could play first base, and I think that was mostly it. But it's also maybe somebody that makes Ryan Mountcastle realize. 
hey, what I'm doing isn't good enough. Well, it's not only that, too. It's the fact that he's a veteran. He's been around for nine seasons and that that's the kind of guy yeah. you want in a playoff race. That's the he's kind played of guy. in the postseason. Right. It, you have experience there, and he brings a lot to the clubhouse, and I think that's another one of the reasons they brought this guy in. He's, like Stan said, not a huge addition, but definitely a worthwhile one at this and, point. I think he had like an 880 or 850 OPS last year, 23 yeah, he, homers, he 93 very, RBI yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah, I think he hit like 261. Yeah. Yeah, he had a terrific season last year for the Marlins, and, you know, he's, he's certainly – a better addition than Brett Phillips was. He serves right. a real purpose, and I think one of the purposes he serves is to is to have Ryan Mountcastle. I'm not talking about Ryan Mountcastle decompressing. I think Ryan Mountcastle needs to have that pressure on him to to get better. Yeah, and I think sometimes players don't try to get better until it's it's right in front of them. You know, it's like a deer in the headlights, and he says. Hey, I'm not playing every day. They're, they're playing this. Hey, Suze Aguilar over me. You know, um, right. I, it's it's interesting, and I think Austin Hayes has had that kind of season too. He is really, you know, the thought of having him pinch hit for was unimaginable by a like rookie two months ago. By a rookie. By a rookie. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I I totally agree. I, I looked at that, and when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's how far Austin Hayes has fallen. <laughs> But I wanted to bring up a topic. You, you ask all the good questions, but, I, you know, it's interesting to me. I put up on Twitter last night, I put a tweet out that, hey, I, I would have pinch hit uh, Rutschman here. And I think it was for Chirinos, the previous mm-hmm. inning. Mm-hmm. But it was against a left-handed pitcher. And i I got to be honest, I've been so caught up in how great Rutschman is at his defense and his ability to get a walk and – and the, the the extra base hits, I had not seen this hole in his game. He's hitting 158 with one RBI, yeah. uh, batting right-handed. Yeah, he, uh, he still takes decent at-bats. What's that? He still takes decent at-bats from the right side, but a lot of weak contact yeah. from the right side. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm wondering uh, when he's going to go to the Cedric Mullins room. Well, the thing is... I think he had like a 900 OPS last year from the right side of the plate. So I, I think it's in okay. there. I think it's in there. Uh, he just, it hasn't, it, it hasn't yeah, gotten okay. there yet. I'm, you know? I'm willing to give him, but, but it was, it was the appropriate time last night that Brandon Hyde, sometimes it takes patience. Like he has patience at the plate, Rutschman. It took patience to say, Hey, this isn't the right time to use Rutschman. Now it is. Yeah, and he got that big and, walk that was huge. And, and, and I and I will say, I he, I felt like he used his his um his pinch hitters brilliantly last night. Mullins coming yeah. in for the intentional walk. Rutschman working coming in and working the walk. I think he did a really nice job of using his bench players at the appropriate times last night. So, Stan, uh, what do you got coming up this week? I know you're off on Labor Day, right? We're off on Labor Day. I've got um. Two Zooms coming up that I know of right now. Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock, I'm going to have Danny Black on. Uh, Danny is uh, the owner of Baltimore Collectibles, uh, and we're going to talk about these these rising stars in the Orioles system and what they – what they what their value is out on the collectibles world, you know, with their cards mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then on Thursday at 3 o'clock, because I'm trying to leave myself open 
a little bit to get to some of these games, either major or minor leagues. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I'm not tied to doing it at 7 o'clock. I'm going to have Dr. Sandy Siegel on, who's got his Zero Prostrate Challenge uh, run walk coming up at Towson University uh, down on the playing field, um, coming up um, on the 18th of September. Okay. So those are the two things got so far this week. I'm, I'm going to figure out somebody to talk football. Uh, probably our regular time Thursday night. All right, sounds good to us, Dan. We will certainly look forward to those. Enjoy right, your and, long uh, weekend, and we will talk to you next week. And just, I'm um, just giving a word to the Oriole fans out there. I know you're watching the games, you're talking about it. Try and get out to a game. It was a little dis- disappointing. The crowd was rabid last night, but it was thirteen thousand five hundred fans. I, I thought know, there was going to be way more than team, that. Yeah, I thought there would, there would have twenty two, twenty three thousand for that game. Now, again, a lot of people away on the last weekend of the summer. Yeah, you know, school uh, starting. I know all those things, but thirteen thousand uh, was was not was not great. Well, so tonight they got a giveaway. I'm sure there'll be over thirty tonight. So uh, exciting night at the ballpark, and don't forget double header on Monday, uh, one price admission. Game time, I think, 105, Paul? Yeah, it's 105, and I, and I think, what is it, 30, 45 minutes after the final out of the first game, the second yep. game starts? Yep. yep. And those are huge games. Yep. You know, oh, those are huge Against games. the Blue Jays, absolutely. Stan, Stan, you have a viewer yep. question real quick. He, he wanted to ask you this, that are you going to be bringing back after bird watching for the stretch run here for the Orioles? Boy, that's a tempting idea. Let, let me talk to you about it, Zach, because I'd need okay. somebody to – to work with on it. That's an interesting idea. Okay. Well, he wants us to come back. He's he's asked. So that's that's. I just figured I'd I throw it yeah. out there. All right. I used to do it. I used to do it on Facebook, like just Facebook, and I'd go on myself. I'd need to get a primer on that. That's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Uh, I I'll be I'll be perfectly blunt about it. It was something I wanted to do to get back to being a little bit more relevant. But I was hoping. I would have been able to attach some more money to it that made it somewhat worthwhile. But in a short spurt like this, might be inter- interesting to do. Well, hopefully All right? we've got a coming soon. We'll, we'll look forward to that as well. Stan, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you uh, next by week. The, by the way, I've heard a little bird tells me that Tuesday night at Bowie, uh, Grayson Rodriguez is going to pitch. It would make sense. He uh, uh, well, uh, Inning in the third, uh, one hit, one, one uh, strikeout the other day. So... Um, and in case anybody's interested, Wednesday night, that would push Wednesday night would be uh, Cade Povich, uh, nice. who is the guy I really want to see. Yeah, so I think that's – those aren't exact and haven't been announced, but I've heard a little bird has given me that. All right? All right. Thank you very much, Dan. Talk to you soon. Enjoy your weekend. All right. You know, i got to go avoid the uh, raccoons here. <laughs> yeah, good luck to you. Good luck. You want to come and help me, Paul? You want to come and help oh, me? Oh man, you had enough rabid fans at the game last night, man. I don't think you need one more dealing with those uh, with those <laughs> raccoons. All right. All right. Thank see you. Ya. See I'll ya. talk to you guys later. Yes, Bye. sir. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week. 
Stan and Ross chatted with BaltimoreBaseball.com's Rich Dubroff while Stan and Gary previewed Towson football with head coach Rob Ambrose. Find these shows under the videos tab at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. I got to say, Stan, that that was a great joke right there. What, mine? Uh, yeah. The, the <laughs> the <laughs> you had enough fans. rabid fans and the raccoons with, with rabies. That, yeah. that was a great joke, Paul. Thank you. I got to give you that one. I, I, I was I, laughing over here. Like, I, it was funny. <laughs> I appreciate that. Stan and Rawls are off this week for the Labor Day holiday. Hey, guys, we're going to give you a little bit of... um. A little bit of a cliffhanger, I guess. A little bit of uh, suspense. Apparently, we're getting roasted. Uh, yeah, so... But, 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 hold on. We're, we're getting roasted sure. by, by some commenters <laughs> on our show. We're not going to talk about it right now. We've got too much going on. But when we get to Orioles banter, so in about... I don't know, in about 25, 30 minutes... Okay. I'm going to have Zach read these comments I will, I will on, read on the air, and I'm going them. to react to them in real time. Okay. I'm going to react to them in real... I don't... When we go to break, don't tell me the comments. Okay. I want to react to these comments in real time. Okay. On on the show. One of them, I'm not sure I can say it. You can... you Find a way to, to, to edit it. Okay. All right. I'll do my best. <laughs> um... We do have Paul Moncano coming up. Zach has... You know what, Zach? You sent me sounding off last night, yeah. and I didn't read it. Okay. I have no I, idea. I can do it right now. Yeah, I have no idea what you're sounding off is. So let's let's yeah, do this. I, I, we, we talk about these September call-ups and how they expand the roster to 28 players, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a newer thing. For for basically the, the greater part of my life, it's always been expand the roster to 40 players, and not every team went to 40 players. A lot of teams would go to 34 or 35, and I simply think that 28 is too little. I think 28 is too little. Um, you look at arm care and arm care has become one of the biggest things across baseball. That's one of the biggest trends right now is every team is trying to find ways to simply make their pitchers stay healthier for longer because pitching is such a, it takes such a toll on the body and it's such a, a hard thing to, to do for a long time and actually stay healthy with it. So arm care is becoming a big deal. And I think that it only promotes the arm care agenda and this and this new arm care initiative that a lot of teams are taking if we allow more players to come up in September. I don't really feel like two is really anything significant at all. Um, teams need to be able to call up at least two or three more pitchers, especially to get them through the playoffs, to keep guys healthy. I think it would just be... You know, not really getting back to the forty guys that that basically we had previous. Oh, Buck Walter hated, hated, right. hated, hated, hated 40, that. Forty's far too much. But mm-hmm. if you meet in the middle ground at like thirty three, thirty four, somewhere in that range, it's just going to keep guys way healthier. I think it's better for the game long term, and I think it's more exciting. And I think you're going to see people, uh, t- people meaning teams, start to call up more prospects, um, which Major League Baseball is going to love. They always talk about how they want to get rid well, of service time manipulation, and I think you can help do that by bringing up more guys especially, in September. Especially if you're bringing guys up you, like for the Orioles, yeah. you're taxed bullpen. Right. You if you if you make the playoffs, these guys get maybe they don't have to work every day or every other right. day. Maybe you only have to use Dylan Tate twice in a week because you can use I don't know Matt Harvey out of the bullpen right. or sure. Tyler Wells out of, or, or something like that. Now you've got now you can get into the playoffs and have guys relatively fresh, all things considered, mm-hmm. for a, a, a playoff run. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Maybe what they would do, what they could do to ensure that you're not calling up 
12 new guys yeah. is it can only be AAA pitchers and they can only be guys who have spent two-thirds of the season at AAA. Mm-hmm. Some, something mm-hmm. like that. Some kind of stipulation there. I don't know. Sure. I, I agree with you. Only adding two players and one has to be a position it, it, player, it's, right. it's like, okay. It, because I, mean, I, I feel that used to be before when we had the 40-man uh, rule in place that you could bring up guys um, that were going to actually make a difference and you could bring up a number of guys that were going to make a difference for your playoff run. And that would help for the Orioles right now. And that would probably help for the Yankees and all these other teams who have faced injuries. But look at the Rays. I mean, they've been injured to an incredible extent. Imagine if they could call up, you know, five guys or so that would help them out mm-hmm. and be able to keep their guys healthier throughout the, the rest of the season. Yeah, no, it it, it it makes perfect sense. And it's something that I think that they should explore. Maybe they will. I don't know. I, I know 40 was too much, right. but... 34. I think that's the number. I don't even think you need to do 34. Okay. If you did 30, 31, maybe 32. That'd be fine, yeah. Because now, and it can be any player that you want. You can call four extra pitchers if you want. I think that that would help every ball club. I think it's a a good point to be made. We got to catch a break. We are running behind. I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for new deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It's the Battle Round. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, September 6th at 7 p.m. at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. 
If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around on another lovely Saturday here in Towson. Uh, I want to remind you that the Bat Around is brought to you by the Findle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the Findle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. You can take advantage of our 24-7 kiosk, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Uh, Zach is getting Paul Moncano on the phone, hopefully. Um, oh, man. I hope this doesn't happen again. I hope it doesn't happen again. I'm, but he did text me a little bit ago and said that he was good to go. So we should have him here in just a matter of moments. Orioles get that big victory last night, 5-2 to two over the Athletics. They're going for the series win tonight with um, – who's on the mound for the Orioles tonight? With Austin Voth on the mound. The ZRA, when, it, when Austin Voth came to the Orioles, the ZRA was above 10. It's down to 448. That's how good he's been. With the Orioles. With the Orioles, his ERA is like 230-something. He's it, been absolutely It's phenomenal. been a huge difference from when he was in Washington, Yo, for sure. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you have to look at the pitching coach and the analytics department with the Orioles, to, and you can tell that that's what's going on here. That's what's helping the Orioles. With that in mind, joining us from Masson All Access, he is Paul Moncano, and he's live on the Bataround. Good morning, Paul. It's Paul and Zach. How are you today? Good. How you guys doing? Sorry, this is a this is a redo of last week because I missed last week. So I'm honored that you guys allow me to come back after I blew it last week. Uh, every, everybody gets one, Paul. Everybody gets one. <laughs> um, no, no, it, it, it was fine. You're you're a stand up guy. You called me to apologize, which was not necessary, but I certainly do appreciate it, man. <laughs> so you you're always welcome on the bat around. Now, Paul, the Orioles, they are a winning ball club again that we just mentioned uh, in large part because of the pitching. The Orioles uh, pitching staff for the season has only uh, posted a ERA above 
Let me, let me rephrase this. They've, pitched, they've posted an ERA below four in every single month this year except the month of May. How incredible has this pitching turnaround been for the Orioles this year? I think it's crazy because this is not the rotation that we were expecting by any stretch. Right. You guys were just talking about Austin both. I mean, nobody could have imagined that the Orioles would claim him off waivers a few months ago from the Nationals, insert him into the rotation pretty quickly and that he would find so much success beyond him though. I mean, Dean Kramer, of course we thought was a, had an outside shot, I guess, to be in this rotation because, you know, he had shown signs in the past, but last year he was given a full opportunity and didn't make anything of it. Right. We were expecting Grayson Rodriguez to be in this rotation several months ago before his lat injury. Mm-hmm. We were not expecting Spencer Watkins to, to hold down a spot in this rotation. So it's, it's not just that, if you were to tell me that the starting pitching would be the backbone of this team by September 2nd, September 3rd, I would have said, okay, I'm sure that Grayson Rodriguez is with this team, T.L. Hall is with this team, and they are you know, off and running on their rookie seasons. But no, it's been Austin Both, Spencer Watkins, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish. It's guys that we were not fully expecting to be major contributors, and I think that's what's so amazing about it. What? And that's before you even factor in that we haven't seen Tyler Wells in over a month, and John Means made yeah. two starts, and he left the second start early because he had to have Tommy John surgery. So you're absolutely correct. You're expecting Means, Hall, Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, maybe Tyler Wells, and that was what you would expect. But it's all these claims and all these guys who, frankly, weren't anything before they before yeah. this season. It's been absolutely incredible. Now, what else has been absolutely incredible is Gunnar Henderson. And at the beginning of the year, uh, we, we had Gunnar Henderson on this show a couple of months ago. We asked him what his goals were for this season. And frankly, he said to make the major leagues. And we thought that was an awesome goal, but we didn't think it was likely. And all he's done at every level this year is just tear the cover off the ball. And he makes his debut uh, uh, this, this past week for the Orioles. Homer's in his first big league game in just his second big league at bat. Five for 12 in three games, two doubles last night, and, and of course that magical home run, a 12.50 OPS through three games. Are you surprised at the hot start, and what does he do for this lineup? He, I think, gives it a jolt. It, I always say, you know, for rookies, especially in the first month of their big league career, expect mm-hmm. nothing, and right. anything that they give you is extra. Because I think a lot of people kind of overestimate what rookies can contribute very early on in their career, we saw Adley struggle for the first month of his career. Julio Rodriguez and both those guys are competing for the AL Rookie of the Year right now. Yeah. So it, for him to make an immediate impact is nice. I think that there is some expectation, at least for me, that he might struggle yeah. at first. And that's okay. I think that's perfectly fine because I think calling him up now, if he struggles and you know he brings down the lineup just a little bit, over this final stretch run here with four or five weeks left, that's okay because we've seen the Orioles promote guys at the end of season. They've gotten their feet wet at the next level, then gone into the offseason, have five months, four months to look back at the tape that they've put together and be able to grow from it and get better for the next season. So I think that this move, if it helps the Orioles in the short term. That's awesome, and I think that he definitely could if he goes on a hot stretch here. But at the very least, this helps them for 2023 because he is going to have tape to look at. He's going to be able to 
learn from the at-bats that he put together at the big league level, and then look forward to next year so that it's not like he goes through the first month of 2023 with what Adley went through, where he's hitting 150 and the Orioles are questioning whether or not to send him back down or to bench him. He should be able to learn from his experience now, go into next season with a little bit more prepared, and that should help the Orioles maybe compete from start to finish through the entire season next year. Well, yeah, and you, you've already seen it in Baltimore 10 years ago. They called up Manny Machado in, uh, mid to, yeah. in, in the middle of August. He was okay. Uh, then he, he takes that entire off season and comes out the next year and he hits fifty two doubles uh, in his in, in his first full season uh, as a big leaguer and and Gunnar Henderson has already proven that this is something that he can do. You look at what he did last year where he walked fifty six times I believe it was, but he struck out one hundred and fifty three times. And then he he goes in and he works on that in the off season, proves his work ethic by coming out and walking more than he strikes out at double A, and then going to triple A and not skipping a beat. So Gunnar Henderson's already proven that he can take his uh, weaknesses from one season and turn them into strengths the next. I'm very excited to see what he's going to look like oh, yeah. in 2023. Now, Mike Elias, he seems to be a, a, a GM that, that plays things very close to the vest, uh, do, generally doesn't care about how people feel regarding promoting prospects. He will. He's proven time and time again he will promote the prospects when he deems they are ready. Now, of course, you hear the, the the people whispering in your ear, oh, this is service time manipulation. Do you believe he honestly didn't think Gunnar Henderson was ready two, three, four weeks ago? Or, or do you think that it was maybe we want to keep his rookie status? So if we promote, if we have him start on opening day next year, we get that extra, um, that extra pick if he's top two or whatever. Is, is that something that you think that he was keeping in mind? Or did he really not believe that Henderson was ready yet? I think it's hard to tell, and I think it's crazy because Gunnar Henderson, we often forget because of how good he was with AAA Norfolk, mm-hmm. that he not only just turned 21, but also was promoted to Norfolk by midseason at the beginning of June. So he really didn't have that many games, that many at-bats with AAA. And we've right. seen across the majors, other teams be very cautious with their prospects. I mean, look at what the Yankees are doing with one of their top prospects in Peraza. Teams are being very cautious with these guys, and I do think that it was a consideration that, you know, his rookie status for next year, that you can get a draft pick if he's a rookie next year and he finishes top three, I believe, in AL Rookie of the Year. I think the Orioles could very well have multiple candidates for that next year if Grayson Rodriguez is you know, makes the opening day roster for next year. So I do think that, it, you know, all of that is a consideration. And the fact that Grayson Rodriguez, like I said, I, I, I don't want to, you know, short sight the kid here because I know that he is, has the ability to do well, but if he struggles, he's only 21. So I think that the, the Orioles here were justified to kind of like keep him down and make sure that he is fully ready because, it is a massive jump to go from double A at the start of the season, then to triple A, then to the big leagues all in one year. That doesn't happen very often. And right. I think that for Gunnar Henderson, it is, it is a step up every time. So yes, he was hitting the cover off the ball at triple A, but it was still only, you know, a fairly small sample size. So I think that the Orioles just wanted to make sure that, that he was fully ready, that he had enough positions in his bag as well. He was really only playing shortstop and third base. They wanted to make sure he could play second base, 
first base in an absolute pinch. So mm-hmm. I, I think they wanted to give him reps defensively over there before they called him up. So they were really cautious and waiting for that. Those those changes to be made before they called him up. So I think that there were a lot of things at play here. And, and look, three games, three different positions for Gunnar Henderson to start his big league career. So it, it seems to, and he's hit the ground running. So it seems to be something that's worked out to this point. Now, look, we've also seen it with Taron Vavro, where he came up and was putting together really great at bats. He was hitting, he was hitting really well, and he's hit a really cold stretch recently. And he doesn't find his name in that lineup yeah. too often. So again, like you said, temper the expectations because I've seen so many rookies get off to hot starts and then have a collapse because it's it's big league pitching, and now there's tape on these guys. So uh, what Gunnar yeah. Henderson's doing right now is awesome. But if he if he slows down a little bit, which we expect him to, that's okay because he's getting the experience now. Now his teammate at Bowie and at AAA, Jordan Westbrook, he was a uh, supplemental. Uh, I'm sorry, competitive balance round A pick, which means he was a first round pick at the end of the first round in 2020. Uh, he played at three different levels last year. Started this year at um, did he start this year at AA or AAA? He started at AA this year, right? And then he got promoted up to AAA with Gunnar Henderson. Yeah. He was having an equally impressive season at Norfolk uh, to, to Gunners. He was a college bat in the SEC when he was drafted. He has slowed down a little bit the last couple of weeks, but nobody was really talking about his promotion in the last month. They were talking about Gunnar Henderson. How close do you think Jordan Westberg is? And this is, is this somebody who you think has a chance to crack the Orioles opening day roster next year? You know, that's a good question. And I think he's kind of gotten forgotten about, like mm-hmm. you say, because the Gunnar Henderson hype has really taken off because Gunnar Henderson's been noticed, I think, by a lot of outlets. It's been ranked in the top, you know, as the top prospect, according to Baseball America, number two, according to MLB Pipeline. Jordan Westberg's a little bit further down that list. I mean, he is in the top 100 solidly, but he's not in the top 10. He's not even in the top 50. Mm -hmm. So I think that he definitely is further ahead age-wise, obviously, a few years older than Gunnar Henderson, even though he was taken a year later. I think for Jordan Westberg, he is going to be solid at just about every aspect of the game. Nothing is going to jump off, you know, the stat sheet. He's right. going to be, hit, you know, a fair amount of homers. He's going to have a fairly high batting average. There's going to be no aspect of his game that is that just wows you. And I think that's okay. I think that he is going to be a very solid middle infielder wherever he ends up playing and I think that the Orioles might have room for him in their infield next year I don't know if he's an opening day roster guy I'm curious to see what the Orioles do with their infield this offseason because obviously Rugnet Odor is an impending free agent assuming that they don't bring him back then you have Gunnar Henderson maybe as your opening day third baseman you want to keep Jorge Mateo probably at short right maybe there's room for Jordan Westberg at second base, right. unless you want to give Taron Vavra more more opportunities, unless uh, we're not even talking about Ramon Arias, who has quietly hit 15 yeah. home runs this year, despite the fact that he missed about a month. Um, and this is a guy who was a second baseman before they put him over at third when Kelvin Gutierrez wasn't working out. And, and that's my biggest question uh, regarding the infield this offseason: is what are you doing with Ramon Arias? Is he a trade candidate? Is yeah. this somebody who sticks around uh, because of what you have coming up in the minor leagues? What do you think they do with him? I think that he's too valuable right now to trade going into the offseason just because, it, assuming, again, that they don't bring back Odor and they don't sign a veteran middle infielder, they right. could. You know, Michael Elias has done it almost every year, whether it was, you know, 
Jose Iglesias or um, Odor this past offseason. So I could see him adding somebody. But assuming they don't and they just let Rugnet Odor walk, then I think that Urias is a valuable asset to have as a veteran infielder who can bounce between positions. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was skeptical at the start of the year of using him at third base. Me too. And he's been phenomenal there. Yeah. I think he's had, uh, you know, five or six defensive runs saved. He has been terrific defensively there. I think that he, his ability to play second should help shortstop in a pinch. So I think, you know, going into next year, you're looking at giving Gunnar Henderson everyday starts in the infield somewhere, whether that's right. third base, shortstop, second base. You have Jorge Mateo, who is too valuable to keep off of the diamond at shortstop, I think, just because of what he brings defensively. And then maybe you move, you know, you move a Ramon Rios back to second base mm-hmm. with Taron Viver working his way in. Maybe you give Jordan Westberg a little bit more time to marinate at AAA. Sure. So I think Arias is, is definitely valuable, at the very least, as a utility guy. Yeah, no, and that that would make a lot of sense, especially when you say you give Westberg some time to marinate. If you think Westberg is going to be a player for this team, but you or you already have really good players at the major league level, you can give him the opportunity. Then maybe you look at something at the trade deadline next year, and that gives Westberg that opportunity to get up afterwards. I'll tell you, Paul, it is certainly not a bad problem to have to have too many good players. Yeah on your team. So, yeah, it, it's we, we are in rarefied air for the Orioles over the last five years, for sure. Now, let's talk about this coming offseason because, like you said, Michael, I said it's liftoff from here, and it's all blue skies, and we have, play, we have payroll flexibility. What do you think that looks like this offseason? Do you think we see a big starting pitcher free agent acquisition or maybe um, a big-time bat for the middle of the order? What do you think spending looks like to Mike Elias this offseason? You know, I think Elias is going to, to look for the quality of player as opposed to any position mm-hmm. in particular. Because I think, like we said, the, the Orioles are solid across the board right now. I mean, I would have said going into this offseason maybe a few months ago, that they really need to upgrade at starting pitching. But frankly, they may not even have too many spots open in the rotation when you factor in Grayson Rodriguez, maybe a DL Hall, you know, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, all those guys. Mm-hmm. I tend to think still that all of this roster movement is pointing to them adding a starting pitcher in the offseason. I still think that's probably the goal. There's a reason they move back to left field wall. There's a reason that they, you know, Michael Elias is from the Astros school of you grow the bats, you trade for the arms, or you sign the arms. Right. So I do still think that if a starting pitcher makes sense for them, I think that Michael Elias will go out and get that guy. But at the same time, I think that if somebody is within their price range as a middle-of-the-order bat, I don't think that he's going to hesitate because I, we talk about all these incredibly talented prospects that they have the guys that they already have at the big league level but frankly the offense has been slightly underwhelming the past few months yeah. and even if you factor in Gunnar Henderson and maybe a Jordan Westberg you have Mountcastle Hayes Mullins they could still use somebody right in the middle of that lineup to give Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson a little bit of insurance next year so it, I don't imagine it you know the big name on everybody's mind is going to be Carlos Correa of course I don't know. I have no idea what Michael Elias is thinking there, but I think that the good thing is he has flexibility here to add where he seems, you know, where he feels 
it's necessary. And I could see him going out and splashing for a big starting pitcher, but at the same time, if there is a position player that falls within his price range, the Orioles have been calculated in how they've used their money the past few years because they want to maximize this window now, and they want to be able to sign somebody if they feel like he can contribute to the team this offseason, next offseason, offseason after that. So I think that the Orioles will definitely sign at least one kind of, you know, higher-priced free agent. I think that for what they've gotten, you know, Jordan Lyles is the the most that they've ever spent on a free agent. I right. see them topping that. Uh, and I could very well see it for a starting pitcher. Paul, I'll tell you, I am on board with the Orioles throwing a billion dollars <laughs> at Aaron Judge. He is the guy. <laughs> he is the guy who has proven that that Mount Baltimore out there is no match yeah. for him. He, you put him in the middle of the order with Rutschman and Henderson and Santander and Mount Castle makes your entire. It's not going to happen. We all know that's not going <laughs> to happen. But if the, if I woke up sometime in December and saw Orioles sign Aaron Judge for eight years, four hundred million dollars, <laughs> you could not get me mad about that. I would I would be doing jumping jacks and flips, and I can't do a flip. So that's how happy yeah, yeah. I would be. There, there are worse ways to spend your money than on a guy who's probably going to win the MVP this year in the American League. And uh, he's 30 years old, so I tend to think the Orioles might not give a, a long, long-term contract right. and a ton of money to somebody who's 30 or 31. But still, if they could get a middle-of-the-order bat like an Aaron Judge, there's nobody like Aaron Judge, but right. if they can get a, a middle-of-the-order bat, that would, you think about adding that to already what is a nice core of Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman and Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle and Cedric Mullins, that gets you excited because then you're talking about one of the better offenses in the American League. Oh, absolutely. And your, your payroll is already so low that you're not even going to sniff a $100 million payroll even by adding a guy like that. So I, I yeah. it's something I'm really excited to see uh, and maybe some extensions like an Adley Rutschman. And I, and I, I bring that up. Because Julio Rodriguez just signed this long ex- extension with the Seattle Mariners. I believe it ended up being 12 years with incentives that can get up to over $400 million. Yeah. Now, it's Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman neck and neck for Rookie of the Year. I think it's ultimately going to be Julio Rodriguez. I think that home run derby really put him in the in the spotlight. And I think that that put him over the top. But he gets that big extension. Should and will Adley Rutschman be next? It's a great question, and I think that that is also something that has gone under the radar because we've talked about how the Orioles have been so careful with how they've spent their money. But if you're going to extend one of these guys now, I think it's probably going to be Adley mm-hmm. because he is clearly, he is as advertised. He is the face of this team. He has immediately taken over and had an incredible impact on the wins and losses of your, your team. And he's still only 24. So you could extend him, maybe buy out you know, his six years under team control, you give him a raise for the next three, and then you essentially buy out his arbitration years and then extend him on top of that. And mm-hmm. I think the Julio Rodriguez extension gives the Orioles kind of a nice roadmap because basically you're not, with the Rodriguez extension, yes, you're committing a lot of money to somebody who's still very young and hasn't proven a whole lot at the big league level. I, you know, I think that he's going to be worthy of that extension, but there's risk anytime you spend that kind of money on somebody that young with that little major league experience. Look at Fernando Tatis. Mm-hmm. So there is risk there, but at the same time, like you said, there's that team option. 
so you're giving yourself a little bit of an out if you need to, if, if this thing blows up in your face, yeah. because there's a chance that it can. And I think that the Adley Rutschman extension, what's nice about that now is that the Orioles can look at the Julio Rodriguez extension and come to Adley and his agent and say, we want to do something very similar to this because we want to keep you under team control going forward. We want to get you paid through your pre-arbitration, then your arbitration years. And we want to reward you if you finish in the top three, top five for MVP. We want to make sure that you are getting, you know, what you deserve. And especially if you put in all-star incentives, I think, in there, that could definitely benefit Adley because we're looking ahead and he could be the best catcher in the American League for the next five or ten years. Yeah. So if they put in an all-star incentive in addition to an MVP incentive, there's all kinds of things that Michael Elias could do to draw out a contract that works for both Adley and the team. And we've seen so many times catchers hit free agency at 30-31, they're not going to get a whole lot of money other than JT Realmuto you know, it's tough for catchers of that age to get a long-term extension or a long-term contract, I should say. So if the Orioles are able to extend upon Adley's age 30 season, say, hey, we'll pay you through age 34 season, then I think that Adley Rutschman probably would want to take something like that. So this is why the Orioles have been careful with their money, is not just to go out and spend on free agents outside of the organization this winter, but also to extend the guys that they have in house. Right. And, and look, at, at this point in time where we stand in the baseball world today, it's the cost of doing business, extending these young phenoms. You see it all across yeah. baseball. The White Sox really did, did it a lot with Luis Robert and Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez. Uh, you saw the Rays kind of do it uh, to, to start with Evan Longoria, the Cubs, with Chris Bryant. This is where baseball has gone. No longer are you going to see these young guys get to free agency. They're going to get locked up, and I think that that's probably what's coming for Adley Rutschman. Paul, before we let you go, how much fun are you having this year? So much fun. I mean, this is this is way more fun than last year, certainly, because this is a totally different team. Yeah. And it's not just Adley. It's, it's the way that this team expects to win every night and plays, you know, carefree baseball. They, they are playing with no expectations, but they're going out there and saying, we can win. We're not afraid of these teams. Mm-hmm. And it has been just a joy because it, I, I joke with other people who cover this team that there's almost too much to cover because you already have a, a winning baseball team that is right in the thick of the AL wildcard race. And then you have the number one farm system that is still churning out prospects. Right. They just added the number one overall pick from the MLB draft. So bouncing back and forth between the big league level where there's so much excitement growing and then going down to the minors and going to see Grayson Rodriguez on his rehab starter, Jackson Holiday in Del Marva. It is uh, so much talent in this organization, and there's so much to cover. It's exhausting, but very, very fun. Yeah, no, no doubt. I've been. This is my third season hosting this show, Paul. It's the first time I've gotten to host it uh, with a winning ball club to cover, which is so, mm. so much. It's so much more fun when the team's good yeah. and, and they're playing well. <laughs> And then on top of that, you feel like we are finally here. We're like from 2018 through last year, it just felt awful. And you're like, 
when is this ever going to turn around? And it's finally turn, turning around, and it just feels it feels awesome, man. It's it's just it's just a cool thing to experience while it's happening in the yeah. moment, you know. So, Paul, great stuff, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Hopefully, we get to talk to you again soon down the line. All right. Yeah, thanks so much. I'll, I'll try not to blow my future opportunity to uh, be no. on the show. And real quick, <laughs> b- before I let you go, I, I, I meant to do this. Uh, what do you have coming up on Mass and All Access? So we've got uh, Mass and All Access podcast coming out this week. We uh, are probably, I think, going to discuss the most valuable Oriole because we're, those votes are going to be due soon. So mm-hmm. who myself and Brandon Morton, my co-host, have voted for, our top three, uh, and you can catch the Mass and All Access podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms and follow me at Paul Mancano on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. We'll talk to you soon, man. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Paul. Take care. All right. See you. That was Paul Moncano from Mass and All Access. Uh, gracious enough to join us, and I'm glad he did. It's always a good conversation. Paul's just a hell of a nice guy, so it's uh, really great to have him on the program. Zach, you were you were quiet over there, my man. I was quiet. I, I think you covered it pretty well. I looked through the notes, and, and I thought you had basically everything I would have asked covered. So I, fair I, I'll enough. let you handle it. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, we got to catch our second break. want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by... Press Box at Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might be popping up on GCR this week. The guys caught up with Ben Verlander, the other Verlander. Uh, Jim Bowden, Orioles second-round pick Max Wagner, and Calvert Hall alum Sean Tucker. Syracuse's running back and potential Heisman Dark Horse this year. Let me try that again. And Calvert Hall alum Sean Tucker, who is Syracuse's running back and a potential Heisman Dark Horse this year. Find those interviews and more now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. When we come back, the payoff pitch around the league, some user comment, uh, viewer comments, and Orioles banter next on the Bat Around. Hey, O's fans, enjoy Labor Day at the Yard this year with a full day of baseball, family fun, and a giveaway before the Orioles clash with the Toronto Blue Jays on Monday, September 5th at 105. Arrive early to celebrate Orioles slugger Ryan Mountcastle. Be one of the first 15,000 fans, 15 and over, and receive a Ryan Mountcastle t-shirt before catching the action-packed game. A variety of ticket options are available. Don't wait until the last minute. Secure your tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms.
Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. This, I hope it wasn't this loud the entire break. That was really loud. Yeah, to the point where you you can hear like it's it's about on you can hear speaker cracking. It's about on par with the the rest of the show, but on, I I'll, on, I'll turn it down. I'll turn on, it down on par. Welcome back to the bat around the bat around today, along with the payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter is brought to you by the next highest Bowser show, which is Tuesday, September sixth at Guilford Hall Brewery, located located at sixteen eleven Guilford Avenue in Station North. Tyus and a special guest join Rita and Glenn to help kick off football season. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. So we'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North for the Tyus Bowser Show on September sixth. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia, and brought to you by Maryland. Vascular Specialist and the all-new Ginsu Grill. And if you happen to miss the Tyus Bowser Show, you can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. All right. It is time for the payoff pitch around the league. Dean Kramer tossed six solid innings and rookie phenom Gunnar Henderson collected two doubles, but it was Jorge Mateo with the big two-run single and a three-run eighth to push the Battle of the Vowels in Baltimore's favor as the O's took down the A's 5-2. to two. Bo Bichette collected three hits, including a two-run homer, and Alec Manoa spun seven in the third shutout innings to lead the Blue Jays over the worthless Pirates 4 to nothing. Oh. Spencer Steer made his big league debut memorable with a home run, double, and two walks to lead the Reds to a 3-2 victory over the Rockies. Five Boston batters put together multi-hit efforts with the bottom third of the order combining to drive in six runs in the Red Sox 9-1 route over the Rangers. 
Stephen Kwan and the Cleveland Guardians were no match for the Seattle Mariners, led by catcher Cal Raleigh's two home runs and four ribbies in the Mariners' 6-1 victory. Luis Castillo went six scoreless to pick up the victory. Willie Castro and Javi Baez each homer for Detroit in a 5-4 win over Kansas City. Pete Alonso mashed his 32nd home run while Eduardo Escobar homered and drove in three of his own as the Mets took care of business against the Nationals 7-3. The Yankees continue to piss away what seemed to be an insurmountable division lead as Juan Margot and Christian Bethencourt combined for five hits and five RBIs to back five and two-third sh- shutout innings from Jeffrey Springs in the Rays 9-0 shutout over New York. The Yankees' 15-and-a-half game lead over Tampa has whittled away to just Five and eight and a half over the Orioles. The Braves homered five times, including a shot from Austin Riley and two from Travis Darnold to make short work of the of the Marlins eight to one. Yasmani Grandal homered, but it was a Jose Abreu fielder's choice in the bottom of the ninth that secured the winning run when shortstop Carlos Correa couldn't get the throw off the first for a double play as the White Sox walked off the Twins four to three. Did you see that? I did not see it. So Abreu's up, bases loaded, okay, one out. Bottom of the ninth. Hits a ground ball that deflects off the pitcher. Goes to the second baseman. He fl- it, he. not only does he just flip it over the, to, to second base. Mm-hmm. He like lobbed it. Put way too much air under it. Correa gets the ball and he goes to throw it. And it starts to roll off his fingers so he can't <laughs> make the throw. Abreu's safe at first base. Probably didn't have him wow. anyway because of the wow. slow feed and the deflection. And they end up losing the ball game. Anywho. Jordan Montgomery, yeah, that's where I am. Jordan Montgomery tossed six shutout innings, improving to five and zero with a one forty seven ERA since being traded to St. Louis from the Yankees, who suck now. And Tommy Edmond drove in three to lead the Cardinals over the lifeless Cubs eight to nothing. Lance McCullers Jr. allowed two earned runs while pi- while pitching into the sixth, and Jose Altuve reached base twice, scoring two runs and stealing his thirteenth bag to pace the Astros in a four to two win over the Angels. Emmanuel Rivera had three hits and a stake in a two to one D backs victory over the over the Brewers. Stake means RBI. Uh, Manny Machado and Jerickson Profar each homer, combining for five ribeyes to back seven shutout innings from Hugh Darvish, who struck out nine and allowed just four base runners in the Padres' 7-1 win over the rival Dodgers. And finally, Jock Peterson, victim of the slap heard round the world, homered and drove in five while Alex Cobb continued his renaissance renaissance, uh, season by allowing just four base runners in seven shutout innings as the Giants smashed the Phillies 13-1. Zach? What's on tap? I love you throwing in the, the, the worthless pirates at the beginning there. That was funny. Yeah. That was a good one. Uh, we got the Phillies and the Giants. That's the first game of the day. 405 at Oracle Park. Noah Syndergaard, the newly acquired Philly against Jacob Junis, who's been around a little bit, but now finds himself as a giant. Rangers, they don't know who they're starting yet against the Red Sox and Brian Bello. 410 at Fenway Park. The Royals, they'll start Jonathan Heasley against Michael Pineda, the veteran, and the Tigers 610 in Detroit. Yankees and Rays, that's a really big game for this AL East division today. Clark Schmidt and Corey Kluber, 6'10", in the trop. Blue Jays at Pirates, Trevor Richards, Rowanti Contreras, 635 in Pittsburgh. The worthless Pirates, as Paul Valley would call them, against the Blue Jays. The Rockies and the Reds, Herman Marquez versus Nick Lodolo. Nick Lodolo, a former top prospect of Marquez, a guy who's made some waves over the past few years as well, 640 in Cincinnati. The Oakland A's and the Baltimore O's, Adam Aller and Austin Voth, take on each other, 7-5, Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The Nationals, they'll start Patrick Corbin against Max Scherzer, the former Nat, in City Field, 7-10, Nationals and Mets. Mariners and Guardians, Robbie Ray, Xavion Curry take each other on 715 progressive field in cleveland cubs and the cardinals drew smiley adam wainwright the veteran 715 at bush stadium twins and white Sox, tyler maley and the 
basically an ace at this point. Dylan C. 715 in Chicago. He is the ace. He's a Cy Young candidate. He's top three in the, he's top three in the league. 2-7 ERA coming into tonight's start. The Marlins, they'll start Edward Cabrera versus Jake Odorizzi and the Brave 720 at Truist Park. Corbin Burns, another ace in this league, takes on Madison Bumgarner, a former ace in this league, as the Brewers take on the D-backs 810 at Chase Field. Astros and the Angels, 907 in Los Angeles. Shohei Otani faces off against Luis Garcia. Padres and Dodgers, the final game of the night, 9-10 at Dodgers Stadium. We have Shaw Mania versus Julio Arias, who was a 20-game winner last year. Probably won't get there this year, but he faces against Mania, 9-10 at Dodger Stadium. Mania won, won 20 No, games Julio on? Reyes did. Oh, oh, Who's oh, facing oh. Mania tonight? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Gonsolin looked like he was headed there, and now yeah. he's, I think he's out for the year. Well, Reyes has 14. I He's not going to get six he more had, by he, the end He'd of the have year. to win every start from here right. to the end of the year. <laughs> it's which, un- I mean, unlikely. he could do. It's, a, it's He's really good, and so are the Dodgers. Right. But. The Dodgers make it easy to win games. Very easy. All right. So, Zach was right. There was one comment from these uh, viewers, or I say viewer in quotes, because mm-hmm. he was a troll who literally just viewed to troll us. Um, but one of the comments we, we can't read on the air is it's it's too mean spirited. Not going to read it. Yeah, we're not going to read it. Um, but read the, the how many were there? Uh, there was just one other one besides okay. that, and oh, was, I, I feel I feel like it was kind of mean. I feel like it's it's just a, a little bit unnecessary. He said, two people watching. If a tree fell in the forest and no one saw it, did it really happen?" I don't know, man. You exist, and, no, and, and nobody knows <laughs> I mean, who we, you are. So we we are here doing. I mean, we we are here. So. Yeah, people saw it happen. Yeah, uh, that was kind of mean. I don't know. I, I feel like I that was kind of unnecessary. Look, look, here, here, here's the thing: people that do that, <laughs> their their lives are awful. I mean, that guy's miserable. Think, think about think. I about, don't know what he's attacking us th- for. Th- to th- be honest th- with th- you, think about this guy's life here. This guy probably got offended by something I said about his favorite manager. That could have been the on case t- on Twitter. So he decided to get up on a Saturday morning. Yeah, and instead of spending time with, he probably doesn't have a girlfriend. Guys like that don't have girlfriends. Um, instead of spending time with friends or loved ones or walking his dog or making himself a nice waffle, he, <laughs> he nice waffle. He decides I'm gonna get on the internet mm-hmm. and get behind my keyboard. <laughs> make, make and, fun and, of Paul Valley and, and Zach make Goodman. fun of Paul Valley and Zach Goodman <laughs> because yeah. Paul said something I didn't like. Yeah. on Twitter, false by the way. Because false. Because what? A lot more people watching than that. Yeah. So uh, we we have plenty of viewers. We have plenty of subscribers to. Uh, there are many platforms. Facebook is the only platform, and I believe that was the one he was going off of. And there are more viewers elsewhere. So and, just, and, just and, put that and, out. There. And people will listen to it in podcast form yeah. after the show sure. airs live. So, um, look, this this. Dude, <laughs> I mean, frankly, I find it kind of funny. Yeah. I was laughing when he sent it. I just had to read it. I had he's, to read it. He, he's he's a sad human being. He, and I guarantee you, guarantee you, it's one of those guys that I blocked this past week. Oh, it has to be. You, <laughs> you definitely on, said something you didn't like. Yeah, on, that's got to be what on it was. Twitter. Like, like, you got your feelings. It's so funny, man, because these people... So, I'll say something. Mm-hmm. And somebody will respond in a disrespectful manner. Mm-hmm. So, I <laughs> respond back as, the, as somebody who's been disrespected. Yeah. I don't call names. No. I don't insult them. I just basically tell them I feel this way because I believe this is the right way to feel. Mm-hmm. But I, I I do it in a manner that makes these people call me sensitive. They're like, why can't you just take what people say about you and not be sensitive about it? And I'm thinking to myself, you were literally accusing me 
of doing the thing that you did first. <laughs> right, right. Because right, yeah. you saw something and you got so butthurt about what I said that you had to respond to me and call me a clown. You know what though? That, that's Twitter. You know, that's yeah. Twitter. That's, it, it, that's what you should it, come to expect it, at this point. No, and, and and that's the thing. Like I don't the really, keyboard warriors. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I, like it gives me anxiety because I just don't like fighting with people. Yeah. And and I and more so than anything, <laughs> two things. One. I want people to come on my show. Yeah. And if I spew too much hatred towards the manager, it might make people that would come on the show maybe not come on the show because they work for the team. We, we need to get Brandon High. That'd be great. That'd be all right. Huge. All right. And two, um, I just don't like fighting with people. I, I, I don't I don't enjoy it. I love this team. I don't like saying negative things about them. I don't like fighting with people about a team that we both want to win. Right? We, right. B- both people that are arguing want the team to win. Right. I just believe they're not winning because of this, and you want me to be happy that they're winning at all. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not a guy who's satisfied with just, you know, mediocrity. But and the Orioles have been far better than that. I they want have. them to be the best that they can be. Which leads right into our Orioles banter segment. Hey, 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 don't do that. And you got to do that. That's right. You got to do the voice. You got to no, do no, the... No, 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 no. Don't cut me off and start and, and start no. a segment, bro. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't don't, don't cut me off Paul, and start a segment Paul, finish before your I'm ready. Finish right. your statement. Can't believe you just did that. I might need a new producer and co-host. <laughs> um, no, but like, look, th- th- this guy is obviously somebody who got upset with me about something that I said on Twitter, and I probably I think I probably know who the guy is, and whatever, L- like. Nobody tells you, you don't have to watch, you don't have to follow, you don't have to subscribe. I, I want other people who actually matter and who care to watch and subscribe. Having said that, now it is time for Orioles banter. There it is, there it is. Um, all right, so, so Orioles banter today, I want to look ahead to the, um, I want to look ahead to the 2023 Orioles roster. Okay. And not the entire roster, I don't feel like doing that right now, that's something we can do for an, on, on an off-season show. Yeah. But we've we've talked a lot about the about the starting rotation. Kyle Bradish looks like he's figured it out. Yeah, uh, I mean he's gone his last two starts, fifteen innings, four hits. What is it? Three hits allowed. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, he had a one hitter and then a two hitter. Yeah. Right, no runs. He's been. Um, Matt Blood said last year that he held Kyle Bradish in the same regard as D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez, the dude that's pitched the last two games. That's what Matt Plub is talking about. Yeah. Kyle Bradish, I think, is going to be a guy. He's going to be maybe your three or four in your starting rotation next year. He's going to be in your starting rotation. Right. You're going to have Grayson Rodriguez. John means you're expecting to come back by May or June. I still think May's lofty. Mm-hmm. I think June's lofty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Chris Sale's never recovered. These things take so long. Yeah, um, I know that it's, it's, it's basically it's a nine to twelve month injury now. But then you got to get rehab starts. Yeah. You got to ramp yourself up. I, I don't expect to see John Means before midseason. When it comes to the twenty three Orioles, I, I really don't look at John Means as a huge part of it. I just don't. I, yeah, I don't because think that's, even even when he comes back, he's going to be limited. Right, he's going to be so limited, and the innings are going to be so small. The the limits he's going to be able to have to hit and. You know, maybe he gets 75 innings at most. You know, you right. look at that kind of number, and that's not really going to have a huge impact on the 23 team. But say the 23 team goes to the playoffs and they're uh, they're looking for a starter down the stretch, and John Means is finally starting to feel healthy by then. Maybe it's a whole different story. I don't know. Right. No, and so you're looking at maybe the second half of next year. When I say second half, I don't mean after the All Star break. I mean yeah. like 
mid to late June. Yeah. Maybe early July is when you can start realistically, in my opinion, expecting to see John Means. So yeah. Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, we know they're going to stretch him back out to a starter next year. Tyler yeah. Wells. Now, is Tyler Wells a guy that you put back in the rotation? Is he a guy that you put back in the bullpen? Oh, rotation, 100%. Right. Yeah, he proved to him, basically everyone, including me and I, I was a skeptic, that he is far, far better in, in the rotation. And maybe it's not even that. It's just that this is where he belongs. And it's his pitch quality was excellent. Um, he was simply being effective. I mean, looking at the numbers proves that. So Wells, again, definitely back in the rotation. I think that's a guy you can pencil in as your probably one or two starter for next year. One or two? No. He was so excellent. No, no. He's going to be on a limit again was, next year. Well, sure, of course. But it doesn't mean he can't be at the top of your rotation. Well, I, I think what he. What I'm looking at. I think he's easily one of the better pitchers in this roster. Uh, regardless yeah. of anything. Yeah, re- regardless of anything. Regardless of anything. So I'm looking at. Um, so let's see. Austin Voth. He is arbitration eligible for the first time in 2023. He's not a free agent until 2026. So he's going to be under Orioles team control. That's a dude who you can make a legitimate argument could be your one or two next year. With the stuff that he has and the way that he's pitched for two and a half months now, mm-hmm. that's a guy that you can... And he's not going to be on a limit. He's not going to be on an innings limit last ne- yeah. next year. Tyler Wells will be. That's one of those small sample size cases for me. I still want to see Voth do it over the. I mean, he's done it for thirteen uh, starts. He has. I just would love it to be thirty, and and that's you know that's more indicative, I guess, or not indicative, but that's that's what a full season looks like. Um, and, and that's what he have to, he'd really have to give well, you to be there for a full. But season. But he's earned every opportunity. I, to, I agree. To, to be to be a part of this rotation next year, and, and that's the point of this exercise, right? Is that he's earned that that spot. Yeah. Um, Grayson Rodriguez is 100% going to earn that has 100% no question he's going to be in your in your starting rotation um, uh, Kyle Bradish yeah. if he continues doing what he's doing right now the, that's that's a no, duh I, right right um, I mean you're looking at what you, I talked about before with the guys that we we're penciling in you know uh, with, with air quotes there Kyle Bradish is there right I mean they he was pitching to about a 70 array before he came back from the injury mm-hmm. and they still threw him back into the rotation so that and, should show you how much confidence and and, and his ERA since coming back from the rotation is something like two sixty six. Very good. Yeah. It, it, he's been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Dean Kramer. I mean, look at the last six starts. He, yeah. in, in sixteen starts this year, his ERA is three twenty two. Right. Uh, he's having a hell of a year. He is. So you you look at it for your starting rotation next year. You've got Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. Tyler Wells, Austin Voth, um, Dean Kramer. Uh, Kyle Bradish. Right. Spencer Watkins is a free agent after this year. I don't expect him to be back. I wouldn't um, think so. Uh, jo- Jordan Lyles, you can pick up the option. Maybe he's back next year. Um, do you really want to pay a guy 11? I mean, honestly, he's probably, if you pay, he's going to be in your rotation next year if you pick up the option. Right. Right. I, I, I would think he's more worth what he is now. You know, around $7 million. I'm not sure what he's done is worth $11 million. He's been better this year than he was last year. He has been. But I mean, this is still. With, with, with a good month of September, he could pile up. 13, 14, maybe 15 wins and get, and, and, get his, and get his ERA below four. And then you look at a pitcher like that and he only costs you $11 million. That's uh, that, that's somebody yeah. who, who I could see being around next year. So then what do you do with D.L. Hall? What do you do with John Means? Um, what do, yeah, it's it's a tough... Uh, John Means, again, maybe not so much in the equation, especially early on. Maybe come August, he'll be really you know big in, in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and, that's a huge... 
trade deadline right. acquisition without making right. a trade to, yeah, to, to, for the home stretch there. As, uh, he's going to get some rehab starts. I assume he'll probably have like four of them. Um, he'll go to Bowie and Norfolk and, and do his thing and, and be up probably after a month of rehab and then uh, probably a 75-inning limit. So, yeah, he's not so much penciled in for me, but it's it's the guys like Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall and some of these other guys that um, and I'm sure there are more that they'll, they'll come up with either through trade in the offseason or whatever. There'll probably be more pro- pitching prospects added at some point. And also, some guys like Gunnar Henderson who make a giant jump, who come from you know maybe a, a good prospect but not a great prospect and turn themselves into that great prospect and, mm-hmm. make a, and make waves and make it so that you know Michael Elias can't keep them out of the 2023 20, rotation. Well, so it's gonna, it's definitely a lot of question marks there for me. Mike Ballman has been pitching his tail yeah, off it's another guy, yeah. the last yeah. the last month or so uh and that's a guy i i heard a rumor he might be the extra player for the double header maybe okay. he, he starts one of those games so you keep your rotation on its normal schedule that would make very much sense yeah so you could see mike ball and get a get a start here in in baltimore and that's a guy who probably has late inning reliever written all over him yeah but he's a potential guy for you for your rotation right. who can start in a pinch basically i just i look at this team and i see they have so many starter options are you really going out and spending $25 million a year on Carlos Rodon or or trading for Shane Bieber or trading for Pablo Lopez or signing Jacob DeGrom? DeGrom, right. and, and here's the other thing. How much is DeGrom going to cost you? And this is a guy who's been injured the better part of the last two years. I would say DeGrom's getting 30-plus per year. I mean, he's got a teammate making $40 million who he's probably Right. He's going to make 30-plus a year, and it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to sign him. And, you know, regardless of the injuries, I mean, those are... I, I think teams will consider them, but not really put too much weight into them because he's Jacob DeGrom. And he's... Someone said it the other day. It might have been Paul Goldschmidt. I can't remember who it was, but he said he's already one of the greatest pitchers to ever do it. He is one of the, the, the GOATs out there if you look at you know what he's been able to do not not so much statistically but just the talent level of what Jacob deGrom has been able to do uh, he's going to get 30 plus million a year that would be very tough for the Orioles to go out and get but I think with a guy like Carlos Rodon I'm not saying I support signing Carlos Rodon or I want to sign Carlos Rodon but you get what you pay for with him I think you're getting a pretty consistent player who's going to give you a lot of good starts, maybe a bad one mixed in here or there, but you just don't know as much what you're getting with a guy like Austin Voth, and you're getting what you pay for with Carlos Rodon. It's a more consistent approach to to building a team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we can all agree that they're going to go out there and sign a free agent starting pitcher. Yeah. I just don't know. There's always a need. Right. But are you pushing somebody else out? Right. We're not, we're not really saying... Are they going to sign a starting pitcher? They are. It's just who, I, mm-hmm. I think, is the question. And, and how much are they going to be willing to spend on it? Is it going to be $30 million or is it going to be 10 You know, There's a big difference there. Huge. And then I look at, and we talked about this with Stan, I look at the Orioles outfield. Yeah. And again, we, we thought Anthony Santander was getting traded at the deadline. We thought he was a lock. He's still here. And not only is he still here, he's the Orioles' most productive hitter. He's, he's going to push 30 homers. He's going to push 100 RBIs this year. He's been healthy. Knock on wood. Made a really nice catch in right field. He got a late jump on it, but made a really nice catch in right field last night. Cedric Mullins has been, despite his his good August and him having a good year overall, he doesn't play against lefties. You have your starting all-star center fielder, you bench him against lefties. I don't like that. I, Cedric Mullins, he, he's too good of a bunter. He's too good of a player, has too much speed, helps you too much defensively to justify putting him on the bench. And yeah, you can say Ryan McKenna's a good... He's not Cedric Mullins. He's not as good an outfielder as Cedric Mullins is. So you can... To me, 
I think he gets traded. And I've said this, this is the third year in a row now that I've said this, but I think Cedric Mullins gets traded in the offseason, maybe for a Pablo Lopez in some kind of package because they're not going to move him to a corner outfield spot. His arm is better suited for left field. They're not going to move him there. Right. Right? They're not going to take him out of center. And if you're not going to play him against left-handed pitching, why do you want a platoon in center field? Right. I... And, 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 Unfortunately, his value has started to diminish, and that's one of the big problems they'll find when they still they, a guy who's going to finish the year with fifteen homers yeah. and over thirty stolen bases. Oh, by no means is he and like, bad. he's like a four four win player, right. right? And by no, he's I think he's at three point three right now, which is uh, he'll be a four win player by the end of the year, probably. Right? I mean, that's that's three point three is great by by all means, but I think that <laughs> I think that. The Orioles are starting to realize, again, and I've said this many times, that they have so much more down in that farm system. There's so much talent, so much potential from so many of these guys. And a lot of them we don't even talk about. I mean, the Reed Trimbles of the world, the John Rhodes, we kind of just ignore them because there's guys like Colton Cowser there and Heston Kerstad that were picked in the first round and are, are frankly, bigger names. But they have so much ready to go in probably two years and less that they're going to have to start making some of these tough decisions. And Cedric Mullins being traded, yeah, you're not going to get what you could have gotten for him at the you know previous offseason in the 2021 offseason, but you'll still get probably something pretty good because he's a productive hitter. And you know the fact that he doesn't play against lefties, maybe not so much his fault and more Brandon Hyde's that he doesn't play him i mean that you know he he doesn't write the lineups brandon hyde does um but uh, you know it's 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 more i guess it speaks to the fact that he just he's regressed a little bit at, from that side well, of the play we, against we, left-handed we, pitching we knew a regression was coming this well year. it has to be after there's the no 30, way 30, there's yeah. no way he was gonna hit close to 300 and put up another 30 yeah. 30 season like if he did that then how the hell did we miss this <laughs> right uh how, why didn't why didn't some pitching coach say you are way better when you bat just left-handed just yeah. do that way way sooner uh, and then austin hayes the Austin Hayes that plays for the Orioles right now mm-hmm. can't play on the next winning team. He can't be a part of that team. I'm with you. You know, and, and I love Austin Hayes. I think that he is a way better player than we've seen for the last three months. But you can't justify, or two months, you can't justify keeping that guy as a starting player because he's either regressed and gotten worse or he's hurt. And when I say he's hurt, it means he's hurt again mm-hmm. because this happens every year. Right. And now it's a, and he's playing through it, but at what cost? Right. Why not put him on the on a ten day IL mm-hmm. to get him to get his wrist healthy, or get him the healthiest that he can be so that he can get back to being Austin Hayes? Right. Right now, the bats that he takes, the pitches that he swings at, absolutely awful. It's been it's, brutal. It, he's been absolutely yeah. awful since the end of June. And we can't keep pretending it's okay. Not when you have a team that's that's making a playoff run here. Unless he gets hot, I, I you I, how can you continue to play him every day? Yeah, I mean, at that point, he's becoming another platoon bat. But the splits again, um, I don't believe they really go in his favor either way. Uh, where you would say, man, we have to play this guy against righties, we have to play this guy against lefties, because he, frankly, for the past two months, has been worthless against both. He just mm-hmm. hasn't done a lot, and his WAR has been decreasing rapidly. He was up at like two point seven at one point. He's down to one point nine. It's yeah. just decreasing rapidly because he's frankly hurting the team at the moment, striking out way too much. The swing decisions have been terrible. And again, when we talk about swing decisions and the way the Orioles value them and the way baseball has started to value them and the trend of of baseball just going that way, Austin Hayes does not fit in with that. 
at all, and, and neither does Ryan Malcastle. But I, I think there's an argument to be made that Ryan Malcastle is a bit of a better hitter, um, just naturally yeah. Than, yeah. Than, Ma- than Austin Ma- Hayes is. Malcastle. When I look at Malcastle, I think Austin Riley. Okay. I, I think a guy who came up and had this big first round potential, and his first couple years showed a ton of power, but also struck out a yeah. bunch, and then figures it out his third full season yeah. to the point where. And for Austin Riley, it was really his second full mm-hmm. season uh, because he he got a little taste second half of uh, what was it twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. um, then twenty twenty he had the full year twenty twenty one he really took off last year he took hit, off yeah well over three hundred he hit uh, over thirty homers drove in over hundred doing the same thing this year I th- I see that kind of player in Ryan Mountcastle maybe he doesn't get on base as much. But I see him eventually figuring it out and putting himself as a 280 to 300 hitter to hit 30 home runs. I don't think you can think anything different. I mean, he's, he's done it he's, at, at, at everywhere in his career. He's such a talented hitter, and he's going through something right now, and it's been prolonged. Um, I guess from where we expected it to be, but. Yeah, Austin Hayes and him are in the same camp currently, but in different camps long-term. They're yeah. just not the same player. And, and look, we really like Austin Hayes, and mm-hmm. he started this scholarship here in Baltimore um, because this is a place that he's been for a long time now, and he wants to give back to the community. Yeah. So we, we love what he's doing. And it's obvious to me something's wrong with him. Yeah. I don't think he's this bad. I think that there's something wrong with him, and I think that him trying to swing his way out of it has hurt him. Right. Uh, and maybe he needs an offseason to get his head right and get back to being Austin Hayes. But right now, he ain't that guy. And you have Kyle Stowers sitting on your bench wasting away all week because you're playing Austin Hayes right. every day. And then next year, Colton Kowser will probably be here at some point. Got off, He's gotten off to a slow start in Norfolk this week, yeah. but he hit his first home run the other day for Norfolk. Uh, he, got a, he got on base a few times last night, scored three runs, another base hit. So after barreling one up, I think his bat's starting to catch yeah. back up. Colton Cows is going to be here next year. Maybe not to start the year, but he'll be here at some point. And then, I, I think he's here by May. And you look at, uh, who's the guy, Beavers? That they, that they, Dylan that, Beavers, that, yeah. D- Dylan Beavers. I saw something where a scout said, and I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember exactly what it was, but he made a swing alteration. And this scout said he's never mm-hmm. seen somebody make such an adjustment and yeah. take off so quickly yeah. from from doing that. He's he's outplaying all the competition yeah. At uh at Delmarva, he's probably going to be a guy that's going to uh, he'll move quick. He'll, he'll he'll move quickly through the system. Judd Fabian is just dropping bombs yeah. everywhere. He's having a great start to his Orioles career. Um, you got guys coming, and Austin Hayes maybe maybe that's part of it. Maybe he's yeah. looking in the rear view and he's not living up to it. Yeah, you know I I, I don't know, but. I, I think Beavers unquestionably would have been a first round pick had it not been for the swing issues. Well, he, he was a first round pick. Well, he, just he, not competitive in the, balance. In that, that's considered a first round. Pick. It is, but not in the traditional sense. But he was he was taken thirty third overall. Yeah, and from or maybe he was thirty thirty third or thirty second overall. It, it was right. It was high up. Yeah, but but. If he had made that adjustment the year before, yeah. that's probably a top ten pick. Right, one hundred percent. I I look at when I when I say the first round, I I don't think of the competitive balance rounds. Those are really in between the first and the second round. Right. Yes, they're considered like Ryan Mountcastle is considered a first Jordan round Westberg. pick. Jordan Westberg. I don't look at it. It's, it's like a one and a half round pick, if that makes sense. That's yeah. kind of what I look at it as. But yeah, he probably would have been in the top twenty picks had he had a better, a little bit of a better looking swing, um, because the the tools are all there. He's a five tool potential guy. Um, it was kind of the same thing with Hudson Haskin a few years ago coming out of Tulane. That the swing had some clear issues that the Orioles have cleaned up a little bit. He's another guy we don't talk about a lot, but he's really taken off. I'm not sure about the year he's having, but I know he got off to a really hot start in Bowie. He's hitting around two seventy, two seventy five. Nice. Yeah, he's, see, got a, he's got. 
I think he's got like 15, 16 yeah. home runs. I, I don't look at him as somebody who's a factor. To Probably me. a fourth outfielder, but yeah. still a guy who could make an impact at some point. I feel like you took him too high for him to be a fourth outfielder, though. And, and, and I feel like... It happens. And I think he could have a solid big league career. I'm mm-hmm. no scout. I'm no scout. I've barely watched this guy play. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's guys who were drafted with him that are passing him, yeah. I, I feel like. Um, and I look at a Hudson Haskin, and I think to myself... That's a guy who the Orioles could probably package in a trade to get sure, to why get not? something to put something over the top, <clears throat> who could go someplace else like Miami, yeah, and have a solid big league career, yeah. You know, and if he turns into something down there, you don't lament it because you've got such great stuff in your system right. already. We're beyond the the days where I can't believe we traded Jake Arrieta and now they <laughs> now he's a Cy Young winner. Like uh, you you've got that in your in your system. Already, right. so it's going to be interesting to see what the this off season. I'm looking forward to this off season like no other. Yeah. Um, because of what could be coming, I think you're going to see extensions. I think you're going to see free agent signings. I think you're going to see trades. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's going to be, and we're going to have a lot to talk about. So I'm I'm super excited about that. Look, we got to catch our final break. Uh, today's show brought to you by you know what? I'll, I'll save this for after the break. Um, when we come back on the battery, we're going to take the rake. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do for this, um, but we're going to try and do take the rake and then final thoughts. All that and more next on The Bat Around. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Hey, Birdland. Arrive early at the yard on Saturday, September 3rd, when the first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive the first ever Orioles soccer jersey presented by Pepsi. Don't miss out on this brand new crossover kit before the Orioles clash with the Oakland A's at 7.05 at the ballpark that forever changed baseball. What better way to celebrate Labor Day weekend than with your favorite home team on a Saturday night? Great seating options are available, and tickets start as low as $15 at orioles.com slash tickets. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom, from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State, and we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local teams. If you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com pressbox to sign up, and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, welcome back to our final segment here on the Batteround. Been a really nice show today. Paul Moncano was great. Stan was good as was great as always. Certainly appreciate those guys. Want to remind you that Take to Rake is brought to you by Simply the Bets and Weekend at Bookie. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140, where Fendel Sportsbook General Manager Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And then every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. All right, so take the break. This was a weird week. They've been weird recently. The Orioles' offense is real. I mean, they they went four and two on a six game road trip and scored fourteen runs in those six games. It, the, the Orioles' offense has not been good for a good bit now. I took Adley Rutschman. He went two for eighteen with two walks and an RBI. And that was a lot. That RBI came last night. Uh, you took Kyle Stowers, who played once all week, and I think he yep. went over four. Um, do we have like? There is no way to get a winner out of there's this. There's no, there's the, no the, winner. Like, the, like if there's gonna be a tie, like I think we both just lose. You know what I mean? Like, like this is this is a tie. I, I, I agree. let's just add on a loss for both of us uh, to the to the end of year tally. Yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just add on the loss uh, because, we, we, because two for eighteen and over four, not yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, so. We're not gonna we're not gonna pretend that either one of them ranked. No. Uh, no. Rutschman didn't, and Stowers didn't get the opportunity. Right. So we are going to move on to this week's picks. I believe you won the previous time, so you still sure, get to pick maybe? first. I yeah, think so. Yeah. Um. I think I had Rutschman in one. So yeah. I. I 
Mm, this is a tough pick. You know, Gunnar Henderson is there. I I, I almost got to take Gunnar Henderson. He's going to play probably every day. I, I feel confident in that. Yeah, you, you're going to take Gunnar. I kind of figured you'd take Gunnar Henderson. Um, If you hadn't, I was thinking about it, but I think I ultimately decided that I wouldn't have okay. because I do think he's going to slow down. Yeah, I'm sure he will. You know, um, I'm taking Ryan Mountcastle. Okay. I'm taking, like... I just I took him a couple of weeks ago and it didn't work out because I thought that he was breaking out. I like the at bats he's taken more recently. Yeah. Um. He had two hits last night. He has he his strikeout numbers the last few games are are back down. Yeah. Um. I just think that Ryan Mountcastle is probably going. I think he gives he's gonna have a, I think he's gonna have a good week. He's gonna, okay. He, Ryan Mountcastle. Let me uh let me type this down. So you're taking Gunnar Henderson. I'm taking Ryan Mountcastle. Um, so you get to do final th- thoughts first. Final thought. Yeah. It, you know, I'm, I'm going to say my final thought is that I'm admitting I was wrong. I was wrong that Gunnar Henderson would not come up before Jordan Westberg. I was pretty set on that point a few weeks ago, and I did want to say that today. So I'm, I'm going to use that as my final thought that I was wrong, guys. Uh, Jordan Westberg. Yeah, you know, I was wrong. Uh, Jordan Westberg will probably get the opportunity soon. And I hope he does. I think Jordan Westberg deserves it. And he's, he's, you, you know, think he'll get the opportunity this year? I, I don't, but I think it's going to be really early next year. I think April is definitely the time we'll, we'll see Jordan Westberg, but he could this year if an injury happens or something um, you know, goes wrong for them. But Jordan Westberg definitely deserves the opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm frankly surprised, but that's the way it works, and Gunnar Henderson definitely deserves this. Very happy to see him up, but yeah, I was wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit it. Not happy about it, but I'm, I, I guess I am happy about it because I did want to see Gunnar Henderson. It was just that I was pretty sure Michael Elias was not going to do that. Well, I'll tell you, man. You being wrong means means that I was right. So I'm good that's, with that. That's true. I'm, I'm good true. with that. One of us was right on this show. We're right. We're right pretty frequently. It's pretty often on on this show. Um, my final thoughts, and I keep going back to the final third of the season. Mm-hmm. Right after that loss to Pittsburgh, you had 54 games left, and we said that the Orioles needed to needed to win probably 32, 33 games, which would have put them at 88, 89 wins. Uh, at the end of the yeah. season, and probably puts them in the playoffs. The Orioles have done what we needed them to do. Yeah, they've they've gone fourteen and nine since that point. Their season high nine games above five hundred. Fourteen and nine, by the nine. way, is is a six oh eight winning percentage, which equals out to thirty two point eight six wins. I believe it's eight six, but thirty two point eight wins um, over the final fifty four games, which is basically 33 wins. That's 89 wins. Yeah. The Orioles are doing exactly what we needed them to do. They've won five straight series. They're about to win the sixth straight. Knock on wood. But they're playing yeah. Oakland. And then they have four against Toronto. The problem is that Toronto's not losing. No. The Rays aren't losing. Seattle, I can't remember the last time Seattle actually lost. Right. They just... Right. 16 games above 500 for that team. You can just pencil them into the playoffs <laughs> right now. Yeah. The Orioles need to take... Here's the thing. One, and I think this this might be why people were so upset last night with the lineup. The Orioles need to sweep Oakland. Yeah. They need to sweep D.C. They need to sweep Detroit. And no they, question. Uh, the, the, they need to do those things. Those are the games you're supposed to win. Yeah. People are like, if they go 6-2 and two in those eight games, I'm okay with it. No, I'm not. You got to go 7-1 and one or 8-0. I agree. In in those games. You have so many games against the Blue Jays coming up mm-hmm. that you've got, you've got to games. capitalize when ten you can. Games. Yeah, you, you've got 10 games left against the Blue Jays, starting on Monday with a doubleheader as part of a four-game series. Right. 
if you split with the Blue Jays the rest of the way, I think you're okay. Um, I'd like to see them post a winning record against the Blue Jays. It, it, honestly, don't split. You got to win. You got to beat them. And you're not going to beat them every game, but if you've got ten games left, you've got to go six and four, seven and three against them. Um, if they win three or four against Toronto, I think it's huge for their playoff chances. No but doubt. The, the, oh the, yeah, for sure. You've got to take care of business against the bad teams, and you've got to find a way to win more than you lose against Toronto, against Boston, and Boston's not very good. I think that they should probably take two or three against Boston. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you've got Houston coming up at the end of at the end of September. Your final three games of the year are at home against Toronto. You've got to do what it takes to win these ball games. And I, I and honestly, I've seen Brandon Hyde, Hyde show that. Yeah. The last couple of weeks, he's he's letting his starters go and pitch into the seventh inning. Um, he has more seven inning starts from a starter in the last week than he had his f- previous three years. Yeah. In Baltimore, um, he's putting out better lineups more consistently. That helps with getting better talent on the team, also. But. It, the Orioles are doing their job. Take care of business against the bad teams and find a way to win more than you lose against against the teams that are in front of you and they'll be in the playoffs. That that's that seems so simple. Yeah. But it's what it's what's got to happen. It's absolutely what's got to what's got to happen. Um before we get off of here, I do want to ask you about Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I am inclined to believe that the Ravens are going to sign him. Okay. I don't know when but I can't imagine not. Okay. I can't imagine them not. Now, you listen to... There are some people on the radio. Um, I won't mention them by name. They have, like, an agenda against the Ravens. It's it's it's, it's very obvious. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Everybody yeah. probably does. They have an agenda against... It, it's obvious. It, it, to the point where, like, I can't listen anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one guy seems adamant that he doesn't think... Lamar Jackson's in Baltimore for the long term. I think that the Ravens would be crazy not to sign him. I think he's going to put up an MVP the year this year. I think he's going to win the MVP this year. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think the Ravens sign him, and do you think he gets a fully guaranteed deal? Yeah, I was actually arguing with a few people on Twitter about this this week um, because I, I put a tweet out there uh, after Lamar put out a, a few cryptic tweets this week, and I put out one that I said, he's gone. That was my knee-jerk reaction to this Lamar tweet that he put out. And I'm, I would have said a year ago, you're crazy if you think Lamar Jackson's leaving Baltimore. You're crazy. He's going to be a Raven for life. It's, that was what I was inclined to believe. Now, I'm starting to lean towards the opposite of that. I'm starting to think that the relationship between Lamar Jackson and specifically ownership here, I think, might be part of the issue and just not being able to offer enough money and what he wants. He wants a fully guaranteed deal is, is kind of been the, the term that everyone's using right now, and that's what Deshaun Watson got, but that's an outlier because Russell mm-hmm. Wilson got extended this week. He didn't get anywhere near a fully guaranteed deal, and there's a lot been a lot Ky- of other Kyler guys. Murray didn't Kyler get, Murray, no. Didn't get fully guaranteed. Right, so Lamar Jackson expects a fully guaranteed deal, and the Ravens probably aren't willing to give that to him. That See, seems like the issue right now. So I'm, incl- I'm, I'm inclined to believe that the relationship is deteriorating, and that's why I don't believe Lamar Jackson will be in, with the Ravens long term. And people keep telling me, they say, well, they can franchise tag him two years in a row, but my point point about that would be look Lamar Jackson could get a contract from another team if the Ravens allowed him to hit free agency and make 40 million dollars if you franchise tag him he makes what like 17 18 million and well it, w- it would be no. more 
Way more. It'd be more? Way more. But he'd still be losing out on money regardless, wouldn't so, he? So he's making $23 million this year. Okay. Oh, I, I, okay. I, I, yeah. If they franchise him next year, he stands to make like $43 million. Would that be? Okay. And, and if he if they franchise him the year after, he stands to make over $50 million. But what, Because you, you, you have to look at... Is that true? It, yes. Okay. It's the top five average salaries at the position. Interesting. Okay. Uh, the, the average of the top five salaries. And you got to look at... This is why I do a baseball uh, show, uh, by the way. Um, <laughs> Pat, Pat Mahomes is making $45 million a yeah, year. Yeah, right. Um, Aaron Rodgers is making $50 million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Allen is making... Forty-five million yeah. a year. Okay, yeah. Kyler Murray's making over forty million. You have uh, Deshaun Watson making over forty million. You, you plus a lot of those are. I, I don't know if they're backloaded or not, but they go up each year. Like right. the salary sure. goes up each year. So plus, and you also have Joe Burrow's going to get a contract in the next year or two. He will. You have these yeah. rookie Justin Herbert's going to get a contract. So by the time it gets to that, you're going to have five, six, seven, eight guys making fifty million dollars a year. Yeah. at that position in the league. Lamar Jackson. What what people think he's gonna think he's doing is twenty three million this year, forty three million next year, fifty million a year after that. Yeah. So you're looking at a guy who's just made like a hundred and nineteen million or a hundred and sixteen million dollars over three years, and then he's gonna sign a long term contract after that. Keep in mind, he said on LeBron James's show earlier this year he wants to be a billionaire. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who can make over $100 million in the next three years and then still get a contract that pays him generational wealth, right? To me, I don't think... We can't say definitively what Lamar Jackson expects. We don't know what he expects. Yeah, People are going to say he expects to get what Deshaun Watson got. Well, nobody else is getting that. You can't use Russell Wilson's contract because Russell Wilson's 33 years old. He's almost 10 years older than Lamar Jackson. Right. The contracts that you can look at, realistically... Kyler Murray. Is, Kyler, Kyler yeah. Murray. Um, and then what Joe, Joe Burrow gets. Joe right. Burrow, to me, is the final piece of this puzzle. If Joe Burrow... When, if you look at what Joe Burrow gets, because he's the only one on that list, because you can't... Like I said, you can't count Russell Wilson. Right. He's 33. Joe Burrow is the only person in the last two years that's done something that Lamar Jackson hasn't done. Yeah. And that's go to a Super Bowl. Right. Right. Patrick Mahomes, he was the first to sign these contracts, and it's all backloaded. He got so much money up front, but none of it wasn't all guaranteed. And that's going to get reworked. These new contracts with all this money guaranteed that we've never seen before, Joe Burrow is going to be the final piece. Okay. And he has, and he can say, yeah, Lamar, you have an MVP, but I went to the Super Bowl my second year. And really, my first year because I was hurt yeah, most I, of my most of my first year. I, I think my point still stands in a sense because guys don't like playing under the franchise tag. That's generally what the you know the reputation of the franchise tag is around the league. And even if he's being paid forty five million, which I was not aware of, I thought it'd be a lot less than that. But even if he is being paid that much, I still don't think he wants that because I think he wants long term uh, security. And he thinks, hey, if the Ravens had let me hit free agency, I would have been able to get that long term security a lot sooner. I think Lamar Jackson wants to turn the quarterback salary world on its head. I don't think he wants 10 years. I think he I think he wants to sign 3 to 4 year deals. I agree with you. Where where he's making 50 to 70 million Super a year. Super high AAV, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, like what Max Scherzer did, 3 years at 40 some odd million dollars a year right. with with the Mets. I think that's what Lamar Jackson wants to take football into. Right. I think that's what he's looking for. So he can start that by playing this year and then playing next year on the franchise tag and the year after on the franchise tag, yeah. along with the $23 million in his fifth year with the, with the Ravens. Right. And that starts that. And then 
three years, 120 million, three years, 150 million, mm-hmm. three years, 180 million. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's what he's looking to try to do. I don't know that he expects to get all that money guaranteed, but if you give him the highest average annual value that any quarterback's ever gotten, and then on top of that, make 180 of it, 180 million of it guaranteed. Yeah. That might be able to get it done. The Ravens just have to come to the plate. And if they don't, right. somebody else is going to. You can't let this dude leave your franchise. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, someone else is going to do it if the Ravens don't. And that's what Lamar, I mean, I'm sure he's very well aware of that fact. And my skepticism of whether this gets done kind of stems from the fact that the relationship is, to me, is deteriorating a bit. And the fact that it's taken almost, what, a year and a half now since he's been eligible to get a contract and they've been really, I I don't think, made a lot of progress. I mean, we've we've heard from Eric DaCosta, we've heard from Lamar Jackson both at the podium that they've made progress and they've talked but, you know, I we really haven't heard a lot. We've never heard what a definitive offer was from the Ravens. We don't really know if the Ravens made... We assume they made a definitive offer, but we don't know. Um, so it's, it, it's to me, uh, it's going to be a long and tough road to get this deal done. Also keep in mind that all these different players like pictures of them in other uniforms when it comes to... When it comes to getting oh, a new yeah. contract, you're right. It, it's, you're right. It, it's they they do it for leverage. Yeah, it, Kyler Murray did the same thing. And where is he now? He erased all his, you know, all the Cardinal stuff off of all of his right. uh, social media. Like accounts. pictures of him in other uniforms. Right. And where is he now? He's in Arizona. He's a, he's, he's a Cardinal. <laughs> he's a Cardinal. The, yeah. This is the, the people got upset about that. I, my uh, split second, I was like, ah. Oh. But then I was like, that's what I did. Yeah, that's. I, I was like, yeah. no, they. That's what that's what players do. When they're trying to have leverage, I don't love that. Um, it's it, it doesn't inspire me with a ton of confidence about again this deal in the long, in, in the long term and what's going to happen with it. But you're right, Kyler Murray did the same thing and he's ended up in a in a perfectly fine spot for the Cardinals. Yeah, so I think ultimately the Ravens sign this man and okay. And I really hope so. Don't get me wrong. I, I I love Lamar Jackson as much as the next guy does. Yeah. Well, we all do. Um, we all do. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Bataround. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thank you to Paul Moncano. Always enjoy having him on for his uh, segment from Masson All Access. Thank you to Zach Goodman. Thanks to me. Hooray for me. Um, we will see you next week. Oh, I never even explained to you guys. I was not supposed to be here this week. My All-Star game got pushed. It might not ever even happen. Yeah. Uh, so I was back this week. So sorry if you came in looking for Ryan Blake, but you can catch him on our podcast. Get yeah. a fan of podcasts this coming week. Uh, until next week, thanks for tuning in. See ya.